Blog Talk Radio. Triple header, 
on Showtime. We'll talk about some other stuff. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury got the dub. Uh, you know, here and there, we'll talk about a variety of stuff from the weekend. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, Mike Spio versus Figueroa coming up this weekend. That's a really good fight. Very, very good fight. There's a prospect fight on the card. Jared Hurd makes his return. So it's got some interesting fights. We also have a, a fight card. I be, Is this a Thursday night uh, by DAZN, or is that one on Monday, too? Or Monday, Jesus Christ. Okay. So I'm getting some really weird messages. Can you guys hear me right now? Message me for those who are on. I see people popping on and off like, do you hear the intro <laughs> song or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, so we're going to talk about that um, the zone card a little bit, too. So we'll preview the weekend like normal. But since we last spoke, it seems like it's good. I'm getting messages now that you can hear me. Everything's cool. All right. So, so since we last spoke, Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia is official. April 22nd, it's just a matter of if it's going to be at the MGM or T-Mobile, it sounds like. It sounds like the T-Mobile, but I know there was there was a little bit of reporting. I don't know if it was accurate, but there was some reporting that a late bid for the, you know, um, Alliance Stadium came in, which I'm not sure if that was an accurate report or not. But I'm hearing more and more T-Mobile. But regardless, MGM, T-Mobile, in the end, it really doesn't matter. Um, they got the fight done. Some people still don't believe it because, you know, they don't have the tickets on sale. That's okay. That's fair. Whatever. Uh, it's been a long, you know, long process. And, uh, you know, you got to love it when two groups of, uh, promoters, managers, whatever networks, just two groups of people that don't normally work together and they actually work together. Right. But to be honest, you can kind of tell why they don't work together that much, right? I mean, we already knew that. That's obvious. But the process in the – I mean, there's this thing just got dragged way out. But I am happy that it's official. Um, and then we have a variety of, uh, you know, fight news. Um, Taylor and Lopez is done, but the venue's not set like the reports we're talking about. I'm not trying to freak you guys out. I do believe it'll still happen. But it's it's going to happen. But uh, it's not just set at the MGM, or I'm uh, sorry, MSG um, just yet. But uh, that's a really good fight. Um, Andy Ruiz is now, well, he has a different relationship. Well, not really, not a different relationship with the BBC. Uh, he's just his promotional um, contract came up. So, We'll talk about it. Um, his dad said some misleading stuff that I can see why it got reported um, the way it did. But uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. In speaking of Andy Ruiz, um, Siri Usyk, Wilder. Wilder was over in Saudi Arabia in the Middle East having meetings. Sounds like he's going to fight out there in the near future. Um and then, you know, we'll, we'll catch you up a little bit on, on Fury Usyk. John Fury over the weekend uh, said some stuff on camera that kind of lets you know why this fight isn't signed and sealed and delivered. So we're going to talk about a variety of stuff. The WBO, 
mandated a fight uh, for Terrence Crawford. Um, is he going to sign with Golden Boy then? It would be kind of interesting if he signed a two-fight deal, because that's what they're talking about, or, or multi-fight deal, whether it's two in an option or three in an option or whatever. Um, but that would be kind of an interesting, uh, you know, piece of news there if that's in chooses to do. Um, but we'll get into it. We'll definitely get into all this. There's a whole lot to talk about, a lot of fight news out there. Connor Ben has part three came out. I, I, I read part one. I read part two. Has part three come out? I'm not sure, but he's got a – it's not an apology. He just has – he's venting, basically. He's venting and proving his innocence, but yet – um well, we'll get into that lightly. There's other topics that we'll talk about, but I don't want to sit there and spend a ton of time on it. You know what I mean? Just because some of them are just overwhelming. I'm already getting some of the stuff right now, messaging. Um, someone just sent me, for instance, Andy Ruiz is leaving Heyman. What do you think about that? Um, and that's what I mean. <laughs> But I do understand it at the start because of how that piece of news was, uh, you know, reported. So I, I get that part of it. But the, the cheerleading, um, you know, when anybody leaves the PBC, even Broner now, you know, now with BLK Prime, he's leaving BLK Prime. He's never even fought there yet. Um, sounds like they gave him a little upfront money, so that's cool for him. But, uh, yeah, it's just funny, man. It's just funny. But there's a variety of stuff we'll get into, but I, I don't want to sit there and, you know, dwell on the same stuff over and over again, like the people that message me during the show and between shows, you know, like a week and shit. Anyway, this is, if this is your first time listening to uh, the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. Um, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show there directly, although that's cool if you do. If you don't want to do that, hey, plenty of different places to listen to the show under the Rope Dope Radio platform, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Claire FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, all over the place. We're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast. Oh, wait, the Grueling Truth is no longer a sports podcast. Well, actually, it's starting to become another. They're, they are adding podcasts, I should say. But while you're at it, why don't you head on over to the gruelingtruth.com and sports news 24-7. One more thing. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Stream the best entertainment and sports, starting with 75 TV channels. Limited time only. Save $125 over the first year when you uh, get any package and buy the direct TV streaming device. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, learn how to get premium channels included for your first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up for day, today, DirecTV. Sorry, I am really trying to find a, a hot spot here, so I just screwed up that read. But you guys you guys know DirecTV stream. But um, the show at the start is a little weird here. I've been having to move stuff around, trying to, trying to find, like, this weird hot spot. It seems like it's okay now. Um for those who were messaging me earlier uh, saying you could hear me or you couldn't hear me or whatever, I appreciate that. If anything pops up, just let me know um, ASAP. I appreciate that, though. Anyway, um, 
let's get into some of this fight news because or not fight news, but in the ring. We like to start in the ring. There's plenty of other, you know, news and stuff. Um We'll start here in Minneapolis at the Armory. They actually just announced a triple header at the Armory in June. Some interesting fights on there. Um, in fact, there was, what, two more cards, I believe, that were announced? You can tell that this Garcia-Gervante stuff dragged out so much that it's like Showtime put out a chunk of fights, what we, what we already had kind of on the schedule up until, like, Benavides and Plant, I guess, or maybe that April 8th, I guess, and then the Carson show. Um, and then now you can see they've put out, well, they obviously they, they announced, the you know, the Tank and, and Garcia, but now I think they put out two more cards, from what I've seen anyway, with more to come because, you know, Spence and Thurman, a couple other uh, fight cards, uh, Charlo, I'm pretty sure Charlo is going to fight in Houston. Um, so there is some news, when, you know, so there's plenty of news to get to. But uh, Ponce, dude, Ponce came out blazing. Uh, you know, he was by far the busier fighter, going to the body, um, landing uppercuts, more uppercuts, you know, overhand rights. Um, basically came out with his hair on fire, the old saying. Like, he was just is to dominate. And I thought, okay, well, man, you're really fighting Matias' style here. Uh, Subril, is that what it is? Uh, man, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a banger. And I'll tell you what, this fight, had it gone maybe just a hand, I guess maybe double the rounds. Well, what was the stop the six? So even if it went like three or four more rounds, um, I mean, it stopped short of being like a fight of the year per se, but man, and we didn't get like that ending, you know, but, and I know we've kind of heard that lately, like um, the Mauricio Lara fight, we didn't get the, the crazy ending. We A couple of these fights, uh, some people were, someone actually said, Eubank Jr., yeah, I guess, I mean, he looked pretty done, but yeah, we didn't get the finalized concussion knockout, if that's what you mean. But um, I don't know. Some people are kind of up in arms right now. Um, don't get me wrong. It was a weird ending in a sense, right? I didn't expect the corner to stop it. But before we start talking about that, which I, I guess I already did tonight, um, early in mid in that second round after Ponce, Ponce just had a great, great fight, a great, great opening round, um, you know, he was still still active, but then somewhere mid and late in that second round, um, that's where Matias really, he, land, he was landing the better shots. He closed stronger. He sold the round. He was going to the body. I mean, these guys with the hooks to the body and head and then the uppercuts, they do kind of fight somewhat similarly. Coming into it, we all kind of said that, like to an extent anyway. But uh, Ponce, to, to, to fight the way he did, I mean, the third round just had, you know, so many – the first, like, two minutes were just back and forth, right? Then down the stretch, the last, whatever, 60, 80 seconds, um, just, the, you know, Matias started landing harder, 
cleaner, better shots. But it was a great fight. Um, the fourth round, I thought, you know, both of them were working the body. Both of them were putting in damage to the head. Um, you know, some people actually gave that one to, to Ponce. And that one was a close round, I will have to say. Then with, like, um, what was it? Uh, what was the, so the fifth round, let me see here, hold on. Fifth round, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of time left. Was it like 20 seconds or 30 seconds or something like that? It was a combination hook left hand. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I was a little surprised he, he didn't come out of the corner for the sixth round. But, you know, he definitely went down pretty hard. I'll say that. Um, but, you know, like I said, I understand this one, it just it did shock me a little bit. Uh, Matias, although Ponce really started, you know, heavy to the body, uh, overall just through five rounds, 40 to 25 to the body, 127 to 111. They, I mean, these guys threw over 800 punches in five rounds, <laughs> you know. Uh, Matias landing 34, Ponte, you know, 27%. That's a pretty high percent overall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he did look hurt. Don't get me wrong. He definitely looked hurt. It just It's one of those things that kind of like we've been saying this year so far that and, – and it's not like I've uh, been against every stoppage because I haven't. And I'm not – it's hard to say that I'm against this one, but it is a corner stoppage. You know, the ref didn't stop this one. So I didn't, ex- I didn't expect – I thought the sixth round would go on. Now, did I think Matias was about to just jump on him and, and probably destroy him? Yeah, I, I did say that. You know, I do think that. But, um, the, you know, it's one of those things where a couple more rounds of this stuff – and, you know, that's – sitting on the sidelines not taking punches. Man, I wish it would have went a couple more rounds. Obviously, that's like a selfish look at it from, a, you know, a fan's perspective. But if it went a couple more rounds and it was actually like even like a TKO stoppage where maybe he gets up but he's out of it again and, and then they finally stop it or whatever, I just think people would have a, a, a different – I mean, this would have been the fight of the year. Now, some people are still calling it the fight of the year, and it was nuts, five rounds it was back and forth and you know some people thought that uh you know Ponce the Ponce the way he came out was a mistake which you know it did look like he shook up Matias a couple times I'll say that um but we're gonna go ahead and bring in John here we'll talk about the uh, Elvis Rodriguez and Adorno, and, and my guy, uh, Jamal James, and Bashan Owens, another Minneapolis uh, fighter on the undercard, got an upset. There was a huge upset, knockout upset, Willie Jones over Derek Jackson, prospect, first round. Just a left hook that landed better uh, by Willie in the exchange. That was nasty. And like I said, we'll definitely talk about some other action from the weekend. But let's go ahead and bring in John, hopefully I have no more issues here. Hey, what's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris, how's it going tonight? 
Not bad, not bad. I got off to a weird start. It's like the music was supposed to kick in right away, and it didn't, and it was hanging me up. But, but uh, we're good now, so everything everything's peachy keen, like uh, my grandpa used to say. Yeah, that's an old. That's definitely an old classic uh, phrase. <laughs> um. So take us through this. You know, we'll talk about the triple header and whatever else, you know, from the weekend. But let's talk about this main event from the Armory here in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, I even tweeted that it just, you know, it, they didn't take, they didn't need much time to fill each other out in this one. They got right down to business. I thought it was a, um, you know, great fight, uh, lived up to explosiveness uh, in that sense. And, you know, as you had mentioned, I was listening to, you know, you start getting into the recap. Uh, Ponce started out, you know, very quickly. Uh, You know, he's been a puncher throughout his career so far. Hasn't faced the very best opposition so far. Uh, You know, a lot of fights in Argentina against some lesser opposition, but then, you know, had stepped it up and be successful, you know, took out uh, Ritson um, on his, on his way to this fight. But I, you know, I think when you look at Matias, you know, he's, he's been so dangerous throughout his career. He only had the one uh, stumble shortly after the Dadashev tragedy. You you don't know if maybe mentally, and of course he would have been affected mentally. You know, he's a, he's a human being. You know, even though he's a box, uh, tough boxer as well, uh, you know, you speculate could that have affected his performance a little bit in the upset loss, uh, possibly, for sure, and that would be understandable. But you did see in that fight, even though he was facing somebody who wasn't a great puncher, was able to hurt him in that fight, uh, get his respect, and you know, looking at his fights before and after, I think what some people at least so far, unless he slips, because he does have a high-contact style. He's 30 years old. That could happen at any time. But, you know, I think even though in the end it didn't work out well for Ponce, and you're thinking, you know, and this is in Matias's wheelhouse, he was backing Matias off. And um, I think that's the way beat him um, when right now, like he is, he's at his best. You know, in his one loss, you saw that just being able to at least hurt him enough to get some respect. Uh, because if you look at the the Dadashev fight and some of his other fights before that and after, I think what people are getting wrong about Matias when he's at his best is this guy has a way of hunting you down and, and wearing you down. Even if you try to, you know, stick the jab and box him, um, you know, you look in that Dadashev fight, you know, Dadashev was trained by Buddy McGirt, one of the best out there. And the you know, one thing we can say for sure about Buddy McGirt is anybody he's training, uh, he he gets them boxing. He he doesn't like them to get hit too often, and he, he just doesn't train with that style. And, you know, even though Dadashev was a good puncher, that includes Dadashev. You know, he, he was trying to, you know, box Matias some along with punching with him. And, and the, Matias, he just... He just he just keeps coming. He he's got an agility where he's able to, you know, get to you and hunt you down. Even if you're moving, he, he's on top of you and he keeps he keeps 
He keeps hitting you. He keeps wearing you down. And all his punches seem to have an effect, especially cumulatively. Um, and you just can't you just can't get away from the guy. So why I'm I'm leaving with that thought is, even though it didn't work out well for him since he is a puncher, I, I thought Ponce had the right idea. Matias off some get his respect hurt him to try to get him out of that game a, l- a little bit. But that's why this performance was so impressive to me by Matias is he, he was just getting backed up slightly. If you, if you look at the course of the fight, even though it did end up in the first half, really just about the entire fight, he was getting backed up a little bit. So if you're Ponce in his camp, you're thinking we're doing what we want. We're a puncher. We've got this guy backing up a little bit. And, you know, his game's not going to be as effective. But what was effective still with Matias is he, he was able to, to turn his game into a, a little bit more of a countering game, just kept throwing. And even though he was taking some shots himself, uh, was also countering well, like you said, still getting in his hooks to the head and body. And as he kept doing that, even getting backed off a little bit, he was still able to punch with authority. And he was nailing Ponce more and more. And uh, that increased and finally dropped him. And then, uh, you know, I'm in the camp. You know, you you look at Matias, it's not just only because of the Dadashev fight, like some people are speculating. Um, Look look at the damage he's been putting on fighters in these fights, the the Jukumbayev fight. And then, you know, when he avenged the lone loss and the others, of course, in his wins, 100% KO. it's not like a boogeyman kind of a thing. I, I think it's a reality. You know, the way this guy is fighting right now, um, dealing out a tremendous amount of punishment, he's obviously very, very heavy-handed. And I I can't say I thought he was going to exactly stop at that moment in between the rounds, but I had no problem with that stoppage whatsoever with Ponce. And, you know, there's times that I've said, well, you know, we can't necessarily say corner should stop these fights. And, but I, I've had no problems with some of these recent stoppages. I, I thought Lee Wood was done. I didn't, you know, blame Davison for stopping that fight. I, I thought the guy was done. Wire was a big puncher. Uh, he was just going to get damaged and, and really just totally knocked out of there and, and taking even more future damage. And I just thought, you know, with a guy like Matias, the way he's fighting, the kind of damage he deals out, and he was then shifting into overdrive when Ponce couldn't even, uh, you know, get him out of there or drop him when he had him backed off a little bit, and then the guy was coming on and dropped him. It was just going to get ugly. So I didn't have any problem with that stoppage whatsoever. I thought it was a very impressive performance by Matias. Even though Ponce hasn't really beaten anybody that spectacular, we've got to keep it in perspective. But with that understood, just still looking at Matias' overall body of work and the way he's fighting, he's at 30, fighting with that kind of high-contact physical style, even though he's a little more nuanced, people give him credit for. And like I said, he's got got an agility to him that if if you try to box him, he can hunt you down. He's got kind of a natural way of cutting off your distance uh, when you're trying to get away from them, that that doesn't work. I mean, you would think that would work with a guy like this, but it does not. Uh, And now we saw Ponce, a guy who we do know is a puncher and came out aggressive and was actually able to back him up just that little bit. 
And that was not effective. It did not work. Um, and Matias was still able to do his thing. Uh, that's to me, is frightening for anybody that's going to fight this guy. Uh, I think it was impressive enough that you now look at people at 140 pounds. Again, with the understanding that Matias has a style that at age 30, you know, at 140 pounds, you know, he's not a heavyweight at age 30, 140 pounder. That that could go at any time. I mean, really, I'm not saying it's going to go in the next fight, but it could. But I'm not going to assume it's going to go. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be. So I'm just going to say, as long as he can fight like this, like he's fighting right now, and he's been fighting in recent fights, uh, he's going to be a threat to beat anybody at the weight. I'm going to disagree and push back against anybody that says he can't do that and, and you're overrating him. I don't think so. I think as long as he can keep fighting like this, like let's take, even though this fight won't happen because of promotional considerations, we know how boxing works in reality in 2023. Still, theoretically, since Josh Taylor is really the man at that weight, um, forget the alphabet stuff. Uh, Taylor's volume has not been good. You know, even though you have to credit him for getting the knockdowns against Ramirez, you know, one was on the break arguably as well. If he didn't get those knockdowns, he doesn't get that decision. I thought Pro Gray at, at worst could have gotten a draw against him. I'm not saying there was any problem with Taylor getting that decision, but you know, definitely to me, draw for Pro Pro Gray or, or could have even gone his way. Um, you saw the Catterall fight. Taylor looked terrible. He got dropped. Uh, I thought he came on enough that I didn't consider that a robbery, but certainly Catterall could have gotten that decision. Uh, you know, if Matias comes at Taylor with that kind of volume, I, I do think Taylor has enough pop that he can hurt Matias, but Taylor's not punching at a high volume in, in these rec- in these big fights. You know, it, it is tough opposition. you got to give him that, but volume's not really there. You know, a guy like Matias coming at him who just showed that even if he's backed off a little bit, he can still be effective, and, and we know he can hunt you down. Um, that's going to be a hard outing for a guy like Taylor in theory if that ever were to happen. I don't think it will, but because of that volume and power Matias is going to bring. I like Regis Progray a lot. You know, he's got skill, and he's got that power. He hits harder than Taylor, but he's not – even for, you know, 140 pounds, he, he's not a physically big guy. I mean, he's going to ha- – he would have to hurt Matias with a bomb. You know, that, that fight is one that maybe could more likely happen. Um, and could he do that? Sure. But, again, you know, this guy comes at you with a lot of volume. It's not a certainty. Uh, you know, he, he is a physically bigger guy at the weight than Progray. Not Taylor, but, but he is Progray. Um and then the other guys, Catterall, you know, was was very low volume in the second half of that fight with uh, somebody to fight. Um, I'm not saying that would happen either, but uh, you know that his volume was definitely down in that second half. That, that's really not going to do it for you with a guy like Matias. And you know, Gary, you know, Russell. I mean, you know, he he has looked really good. Um, you know that that would be that fight can be made. I mean that that would really be be a you know Barnburg an excellent fight, but that's going to be tough for him as well. So I think Matias, as long as he keeps fighting like this, uh, he is a he is that danger man, that threat to anybody. And uh, I have said this, Chris. We've discussed this before. 
you know, you just look at this guy in, in multiple fights, you know, and a lot of fights you can see this, right. not, not just one or two. This is not a guy, if you, if a pro boxer, you know, you're not afraid of anybody for the right money, but this is, this is just not a guy that you really, really want to be in the ring with. I mean, this is, this is definitely not a preference. So uh, very impressive performance. Yeah. And imagine like, cause you know, obviously we know, um, Taylor can do that, you know, a lot of crafty stuff on the inside. But, you know, I don't know how long he wants to sit on the inside with this guy. You know, I mean, the, the closer you get to him. On, yeah, I mean, it's just because, I mean, that's basically how Taylor won the Ramirez fight from, from two veteran crafty, you know, knockdowns, especially right. one of them. And so, yeah, that that is. Yeah, I mean, the 140-pound division has so many good fights. And, you know, recently, you know, in recent years, it it has been like what other, you know, promotional outfit, network slash whatever, kind of just, you know, okay, we got some key, you know, players at at a certain division. Let's add or at least have contacts with people that we can, oh, we – you know, we're good with that person, that manager, so we'll be able to have some of those fighters come on and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of been like pick your division and then try to stack as many people, as many fights that you can, you know, or fighters, so you can, you know, really make the, the in-house fights like we need more. Um, but, I mean, what for is kind of interesting because now, um, you know, for, for a while now, top rank has had the, you know, the most uh, talent, and they still, they have the top names, uh, you know, hopefully we get that, you know, I don't know exactly where it's going to be, they're talking about Madison Square Garden, but Taylor Lopez would be a great fight at this stage, too, um, we know that that's, you know, agreed to terms, we just don't know exactly where it's going to be, but that's going to be a great fight, so they have more names, especially, you know, as Haney comes up and whatnot, but both sides of the quote-unquote street. I mean, there's plenty of fights on both sides to make, and then maybe after they get done doing that for the next two years, then maybe, you know, something could arise to where, hey, why don't, you know, why don't we get them to fight each other? But like you said, um, usually that's not the case per se. But, uh, yeah, both sides of the street have a lot of interesting fights. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I didn't have a problem with the stoppage. I was a little surprised that it happened. But, um I definitely wasn't surprised at, or, or, you know, I definitely wasn't mad at it, that's for sure. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, we're just commenting on, on Twitter and, and on some podcasts that I heard on YouTube, like, you know, when will we see knockouts again and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just so easy to talk about, you know, say it that way even when you're outside the ring. I mean, um, it's one thing to be surprised that the fight was – stopped but it's another thing to be like well you know how much more would he be able to you know like put up with you know like how much more punishment can the guy have taken considering that was only five rounds and he had like two really good well one great round and two to three really good rounds I mean Ponce was definitely you know giving us a lot there so yeah I didn't have a problem with the stoppage as well and uh, I mean to throw 800 punches in five rounds you just think about, you know, if it even made it to the 10th round, what, 
what you know what kind of action fight that would have been that would have been tough that would have been one of those fights of the year that just kind of yeah it's late february but it just sticks there it's like nope that's going to be in the top five or top ten period you know uh but it was a great fight and uh yeah i mean when you look at it like you said the, the you know uh gary antoine russell of course, the winner of Alberto uh, Pueyu and Roley, um, Elvis Rodriguez, um, Brandon Lee, he's got a fight um, coming up. You know, maybe they could fight later. There are some other names, too. Um, so he's definitely got a lot of, you know, different options, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where that, you know, where that takes us. A couple of these guys are about to fight here in, in the next month or two. So that's a positive as far as meeting sometime in the fall or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Especially if you're only going to fight twice a year. Um, it would be great for him to be matched up with that. I wouldn't doubt, you know, if it would be the, the Poyu, uh Roley move. But, um, yeah, because Progray, you know, Pro, we heard a little bit of noise about Progray and Catterall, but or Catterall, but I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not sure how that would, uh, you know, I'm not really sure if that would happen or not, to be honest with you. Um, who's going to put it on? Um, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, you probably have to travel. I mean, because I, there's no purse bid for it, you know, that someone could just jump up like a Marv Nation or something like that. So, but we did hear, you know, shades of that. But it, I don't know, the way Progray was talking on good old boxing Twitter, he made it sound like he wants to fight him, but he also was like, oh, that's basically like, you know, I'll destroy that kid or whatever. But we know that's just, you know, Twitter talk or whatever. But, yeah, you wonder where he's going to go, you know. And he's been having problems ever since. He, well, he had problems getting a big fight, and then finally he got in that scenario where Zapata and him were going to fight because Ramirez decided not to fight again. Uh, fight the rematch with Zapata, and he, and he, you know, and then he turned around and was like, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that purse cut, you know, that the the, the percentage on the bid, you know, for the potential purse bid." And then, so Progray, you know, I, I don't know, it's like, and then you know, he tried to talk to Tiafimo. Tiafimo didn't even want to really talk about negotiation. They were already saying, you know, well, there's going to be an issue. Uh, because you're the champ, uh, but really all along, Taylor and him, were, you know, were behind the scenes because they were already talking. They were already in negotiations before, you know, the good old WBO stepped in. So, um, which I don't give a shit because it's a good fight. So that's all I really care about. But it is kind of funny how they played that off. And it's not them. It's Bob playing it off like, well, we don't really have a choice now. It's like, well, I think that was your choice. And that's a hell of a choice. You know, I appreciate that. But I guess my point is, you know, Probellum has now renamed something because it got bought out or whatever. There's, I'm, I'm finding out information about that. I haven't listened to that guy's video yet who's now in charge of it. But, you know, they don't have a network, you know, deal. And you just, you just wonder if it's like, why don't you go the, the three fight with an option deal? And whether it's with top rank or PBC, there's really no point in, and I know that the sanctioning body gave him, you know, a, a defense, uh, you know, a voluntary defense, but it, to me, 
he may just have to line up with one or the other, whichever you want. And obviously, he probably want the winner of Taylor and, and Lopez, obviously. But he, he should just sign a multi-fight deal and just and just get it get it over with. But that's easy for me to say uh, because you know when you sign, if you're already signed to a promoter and you you know you have a manager, then you're going to sign to another promoter. It's like damn, how much money's coming out of my purse? You know, you're looking at like 60%. Wait, what just happened? So I don't know exactly what he's going to do. He's kind of in a tough scenario there. Um, I know he was in a tough spot, uh, especially right around COVID, and he came back. He was fighting on that PBC card, and then he came in overweight and then fought on the Triller card. And, you know, it just kind of, I don't know. I understand why he took, the pro bellum money and in that type of thing uh, because, Hey, they were offering it and they wanted to keep them active. So I understand that. But now it's to the point where you're wondering, like, I don't know. I mean, did they, maybe he's out of his contract. Maybe he's not. I don't know now with the new pro bellum stuff. Um, so I don't know, but that's probably where pro is going to have to do is just sign with top rank or sign with the PBC or something. Um, but, but either way, we got a lot of good fights coming up in that division because there's a mix of stuff going on. And uh, let's talk about the undercard, though. Elvis Rodriguez and Joseph Adorno. For the first few rounds, this thing took a while <laughs> to get going. I mean, when you know, like, the, the Scandinavian Minnesota nice crowd is booing you first round, you know you got a little bit of a problem. Uh, so the first couple of rounds, man, it took a while. But once it got going, somewhere in the, I'd say, fourth, fifth round, because I gave Adorno the, the fourth round in the sixth round, somewhere in that, I hit the first couple rounds, man, they were slow. But then it got going, and then it picked up. And, it, and, and at the end of the day, it was a competitive fight. Yeah, it's a good tie-in, too, with what – your rundown of the 140 was, you're right, Progray could be the odd man out. And if I had to bet, I would say Elvis Rodriguez and Matias are going to fight next. Um, Matias is, he could get that playoff fight, I think. They'd probably want to make that. He's at least saying right now that knowing the guy, he, he prefers another opponent. Um, Rodriguez would seem to be a fit there, and it's going to be hard for him to handle. Matias's volume, but Rodriguez can bang. That's the one thing he can do. So, in that sense, you don't completely count him out. Um, yeah, Adorno, who I have liked his entertainment value. He had problems when he was with Top Rank, you know, missing weight, things like that. Now he's settled in that 140. Um, I did think that this was more competitive than people thought it was going to be. I, and I thought that made Adorno was, you know, he was like a plus 260 or something like that. Not saying he was definitely going to win the fight and end up losing the majority decision, but with his power, you know, I thought that uh, that was a closer fight than uh, maybe, you know, you never ultimately can doubt the odds makers, but it looked like kind of a value there. And I think it was ended up at a majority decision. It was surprising, though, as you mentioned, got off to a slow start. And when Adorno fought Rivera, which he thought was going to be explosive, turned into more of a boxing match, too. Uh, this one was a bit of a surprise like that. Um, you know, Adorno couldn't quite get over the top, but, you know, made it into a majority decision. Um, you know, Rodriguez dropped him, and, uh, you know, that was enough to win him the fight. Um, 
you know, so he so he moves on. You know, he's has the one loss when you know Kenneth Sims just in an upset, but just boxes box Rodriguez's head off. Um, so you know that's a potential vulnerability there. Um, but you know, Adorno, you know, he's got the the law and a fight, the draw and a fight of the year type candidate with Jermaine Ortiz. You know, decision loss to Michelle Rivera, and now this majority decision loss to uh, Rodriguez. Nothing to really be ashamed of uh, in the two losses and the draw there. And, you know, Rodriguez still has the one loss only. He's bounced back pretty well from that. I, I got a feeling just the way you broke down the division, you're right. We've got to look at the promotional stuff. I think it is going to end up being Rodriguez that's going to be getting that Matias assignment. Nobody's going to want that fight. Uh, Rodriguez will probably have to take it, and he'll have to just rely on his power and think, hey, maybe – Maybe I've got enough power that this guy's going to be there. I can bang him out. But, you know, looking at the Ponce situation, not saying Rodriguez isn't better than Ponce. I think he is better. Uh, but still, you know, for anybody that's going to be fighting Matias, the power and even backing him up a little bit was not enough in this last fight, at least. So uh, that'll be an interesting fight. I got a feeling we probably get that one. Like you said, Chris, I think it was – at least Showtime was one of the first outfits that kind of focused on that. You know, you go back quite a few years now, you know, they, they you know, Stephen Espinosa was just saying kind of what you said, um, you know, look, we're going to just take a division and, you know, scoop up a bunch of guys in that weight class and then, you know, do the in-house fights. And like you and I say, people get unrealistic about, wanting these other side of the street fights they happen here or there but mostly they don't and if if really the outfits just made the best in-house fights they could that would give us really a good start we'd get a lot of good fights so you know pbc showtime has like the biggest roster like that so for them they can do it even more and make us even more good fights like we're, we're seeing that coming up on that benavides plant card yeah, um, that's that's the kind of thing you want to see in house, I think, and uh, you know we'll, we'll get a good volume of fights like that, even if you know it's just in division that these promotional and TV entities kind of control, so to speak, or control a big part. Because like you said, it's a good point at 140 pounds. Now you've got like PBC Showtime controlling some good fights, but you also have top rank in position. You know, they're yeah. making Lopez Taylor, which I don't have a problem and with. And they've been producing good fights at that division, you know? Right, and and they can do some more, like you said. Uh, because, you know, uh, even though he's underpowered, his fights usually are pretty high volume. Last one wasn't as much, but with Pedraza. But, you know, top rank's got to get Barbosa, you know, basically a big fight at this point. They've invested putting him on regular ESPN, he's undefeated, you know, he, he's going to have to, so to speak, get a crack at somebody on that top rank side of the street. So you got to look at him there, and, and that fits into your narrative, which I agree with that. Program better watch it there. Forget the alphabet part, belt stuff. It's more about, you know, TV and promotion, and, and he, he's going to be an odd man out, even though he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a top fighter. And, and you know, he's, he's advancing in age. He, he's getting up there for the weight class. So, Rodriguez is in position for a for a pretty big, relatively big fight. Now, I think I think he I think he'll probably get that Matias assignment. Nobody's going to be too anxious to fight Matias. I got, I got a feeling that'll that'll probably happen next. So, 
Uh, Rodriguez puts himself in that position. Some people were saying Adorno should hang hang it up. I'm not even going to be that tough on those people just because even though fighters got the right to make money, um, you know, it is the toughest sport. You take damage. But like I said, his draw and losses aren't really any shame at this point. So uh, certainly to me, he's a guy, if he, if he wants to go on, you know, he's got some pop, um, you know, in, in fighting some top opposition. Uh, he hasn't embarrassed himself or anything like that. You know, so I think certainly if he chooses to go on, he can. Like you said, uh, P's with PBC now shaping up where they've got a lot of action at 140. So uh, I don't see why he wouldn't wouldn't continue, and he's just going to have to he's, – he's only – I think Adorno's only like 23 years old. So, you know, he's just going to have to right. – you know, he's, he's going to have to reverse it where on one of these close competitive fights right. he – it just flips yeah, it a little it bit, and then he's right. Then he's right there. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I, you know, maybe he hasn't been as explosive in the last couple of fights, but for his longevity, that sure. helps him some. Even though he did get dropped in this fight, um, you know that that he's using some of his boxing skill because even though they're brothers, doesn't mean they're the same. You know, his brother also, uh, you know, basically, you know, of course, a you know relatively well-known pro and and. Um, he he was more of the boxer, so uh, now you you got uh, you know Joseph also doing a, doing a little more boxing, um, and then we had uh, you know, Jamal James, like you said, the Minneapolis guy was also on the card. I want to say Chris, because of course you're there, that's your uh, your area. But I I I I do think it's kind of strange this narrative you get from some people on Twitter and, and even to see a writer here and there. And they say, well, why, why yeah. are you having these fights in Minneapolis? But, you know, I've said this right. the last couple of years, you know, the, the crowd's there, the crowd's Look at the TV it. product, you know? Right. Look at it the product, very, you know? It looks very, right, exactly. That's what I've been saying. You know, it comes across very good on TV, a good, looks like an old classic boxing venue. So it's not mysterious to me at all, I, you know, if, if PBC – like you said, you know, it, this is a good-looking TV product. You've got an enthusiastic live crowd. Uh, they want to keep putting fights there. Of course, Jabal James is from there. Some other fighters aren't. But, you know, you do that in other areas. Uh, why not? Why not keep doing it? I don't, I, don't, I don't get the complaints about that. Odd to me. And, I, and I'd be the first guy, even though that doesn't go way, way back in boxing. It does go far back in boxing history now, of course, but, you know, that, that wasn't your thing in the 1950s and things like that. The 60s, you know, the, the big right. Vegas fight, you know, that was became 70s basically and beyond. But I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that fits where that just became a thing. You know, a lot of people come from out of town and high rollers and things like that, right. and you, you fought the venue for a big fight. I'm okay with that, too. That doesn't bother me. I mean, but, but if you want to get more of an old boxing arena or club feel like you get in uh, Minneapolis. I'm good with that. And, and even then some people say, well, let's have a fight in a guy's hometown and get a hometown crowd. I'm okay with that too, but um, I don't have a problem if you're going to Minneapolis. I don't have a problem. You're going to Vegas. I don't have your, a problem going to a guy's hometown. The, you know, the main driver, unless there's a site being involved, like we always get back to, but you have to is, you know, TV money, broadcast money. So that's really, yeah. That's really the driver anyway. I think people, unless there's a massive site fee like Saudi Arabia, that changes the game. And right. Vegas used to do about it all the time. But, but who's actually in the arena? Of course they make money on it. But like you said, I think that's a good point. You know, it's, that's really kind of adding almost to the TV product 
unless we're talking about the sightseeing. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you want to make money on it. Of course you do. But, but I, I always scratch my head in the year 2023 when I see otherwise intelligent people too getting real caught up on right. the site and the game. I'm like, guys, this is not, not you know, Joe Lewis fighting in Yankee Stadium. You know, we're, we're not right. worried about – we're and not worried about – they do get a sightsee, by the way. You know, in right. the deal, there is a site fee. And you know what? The site fees aren't crazy at small-ass casinos either. And I, and I think it's funny when we consistently see all year long, John, that these, these smaller casinos that are half-filled, that are dark, you know, right. like the, you see the crowd and it's like, oh, there's some people, there's some people, the rest of the place is dark, right. you know. And I'm not ripping anybody, but we see it on Showbox. We see it all over the place, okay. Any any platform, you'll see it. An empty or a dead crowd, it doesn't look right. like it's popping. We used to see that on Friday Night Fights like half the time. And all the time. Of course, yeah. I'm – yeah, exactly. And, and it's like I remember years ago people saying, man, we need to go to different places. We need to do different stuff. Like, why not bring it to a place? And then they found a spot where people come out regardless. And it's like, I get the blizzard thing this time. You know, a, a fight in February, I totally get why a normal fan, on average, wouldn't want to come to the coldest freaking metropolitan area in the country. <laughs> you know, I get that part. Uh, besides Alaska, of course. But, but other than that, it, it is kind of funny, man. It's like, I mean, so you're set, it just it just looks so much better. And then even when you do an arena, sometimes John, the shit's not even there. You can see gaps of seats. Nobody's sitting there. You know, it's like I just I, it, it is kind of funny. You know, at the start they're like, wow, this is really doing good, and then now it's just constantly like, oh my god, you know, what the hell? Why do they keep going to mini? It's like I don't know. Maybe it's a social media thing too. Um, but like you said, I even hear it about the media. It's like, dude. It's, I don't know, like beyond the cold weather stuff, I get it, but they will, they'll say it in June, you know, they'll say it yeah. in the summer. They, it, it blows me away. I don't get it. It's like, I don't get the it. shit looks good on it. TV. Looks real good on TV. I've noticed that for a few years, which made me a believer because I get right. I get in that sense why you do it. And, and I, I'm with you. I want to say it because you're from the area. I'm not, but uh, I've been there. But, but I'm not from there, and I don't I don't get it. And I even have been up there in the winter. And, you know, even, even though you get that cold, I mean, the one thing when you think about it, having been there in the winter for stuff is, I mean, you go from your hotel, you know, it may be eight degrees out there, but it's it's not like you're you're trying to just right. stand outside in the eight degrees. You know, you get, I mean, you get, right, you get yeah. your transportation, you go to the arena or whatever, and you know, you, you get right. in. Um, you know, it's not like and there's, there's skyways where you can go through a good part of the city inside. Right. There's skyways from building to building and stuff like that. That's what I did exactly because and I've been up there for depositions and just like you said, yeah, I was in eight degrees a little bit. I, I actually don't mind the cold that much. Uh, like some people, I'm not saying I'm going to stand out there for two hours in eight degrees, but yeah, yeah you, you, you a little nice walk. walk you, you get right. You get a little walk. You get in the skyway. You get back to the hotel or whatever. You know, you're not hanging out. You're not hanging out in like right. degrees, like two hours. You don't right? have to go ice fishing or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, 
exactly, exactly. So that's kind. Of, but like you said, they say in the summer anyway. But even in the winter, and, and then I can at least attest to, have, to having been there in the winter. Yeah, you're, you're not. You're not like you said. Exactly. You don't. You don't have to go ice fishing. You know, that's not mandatory activity. Right. So um, I don't. I don't get that part of it. But you know, Jabal James. You know, he got himself back on track, at least getting a win. The only reason I wasn't making a call really on that fight going in, I, I just didn't know that much about the other guy, so I didn't feel comfortable. Uh, Jamal James, yeah. you know, he's been in a lot of action fights, even though he's not a puncher. He's had his moments, but in general, that's just his one flaw. I mean, he can box. Um, you know, he's got good size for, for a welterweight. Uh, he's got skill. And he's willing to fight, but he, he just he's just not a puncher. With a win here, you know, he's in a loaded division, and, and he's been in the legit top ten before at the bottom part. Uh, you know, took a tough loss to Rutaev, but, you know, performed with no shame. You know, gave it everything he got. And Rutaev's a guy who's, who's pretty heavy-handed. Um, but, you know, he, he'll, he's another guy, uh, you know, like we're saying, you know, he's, he's actually a little better than him, but it's kind of like a Barrios. Uh, I know I think he's a little better than Barris, right? Has been, you know. You know now he might be uh, getting older, where you know maybe I can't say that right off, but uh, who knows? Maybe they could even end up fighting. But uh, you know he's kind of in that yeah, category. He's not gonna he's not gonna get to the top of that loaded division, but he's gonna be yeah. a solid B side for all those guys. PBC has, you know, if they ever want to put him in with somebody else like that. that that's kind of the way I see Barrios. So. And there's money to be had in that uh, with PBC in that division. So, he, for me, this was a fight that, you know, he, he got by this guy, put himself back into that kind of viability, just like uh, Barrios, you know, just a couple of weeks before getting that yeah, win over. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Just getting the groove back. Yeah, getting the groove back, making sure you're still viable for one of these bigger names or you do get a payday. And these are guys, you know, Barrios, James, they're going to give it all they got. I mean, they'll come to win. But but I just think when they get against the PBC's type guys at the top of that division, that uh, they're, they're, you know, probably not going to come out on top of it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, And I'm glad you said it because, you know, me being from here, a lot of people would just assume I'm just knee-jerk getting defensive, you know, (laughs) for my city and stuff like that. And like I said, I totally get I tell people, hey, you know, if the cold's not for you, don't come here in the winter, dude, because it, it is cold. Like, it's, there's just no way around it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's I've talked to many people that have come up here in the summer, and they're like, yeah, it's a very walkable city, easy to get around. It's got, like, a, enough big city stuff, but it's a mid-sized city. And, uh, but, yeah, it really comes down to it. In fact, um, they have a four-event deal per year. And so people keep saying, why do they keep going back? Did they have a four-fight deal per year? And they've had it since 2019. Uh, I know for a fact 2018, when they did two of them, the first time uh, the Armory paid $100,000 for it. Then the second time they paid 200000 And then the next thing that was reported was, they signed a, a deal, so I don't know if it's two fifty or one fifty or if it fluctuates, but they do technically get site fees, and you know they also if people will talk, well, there's comps. Well, first of all, there's comps at every damn fight. Maybe you know not the Pacquiao Mayweather. That was about it. You know, other than that, everything's right. comp. But you know, if you get a gate of 
fifty or seventy five or one hundred and twenty five thousand and then people buying drinks and everything like that that's part of the whole thing so um they do actually get that that's why people you know and people have been really for a long time have been dogging on and and for some reason or, or for good reason some of it uh you know just being kind of lazy with the well we'll just take the site fee who cares who shows up well you know it's a small site fee but it pays for the thing it will be good it's at a random casino in a different state that's even more random than minnesota um and then you know in that type of thing so i get the criticism and all that but they are getting a site fee you know i don't know the exact amount but i just know the first two event amounts so they are technically getting a site fee any other items that you want to talk about from the weekend or from that card or um, I'm not sure if you saw any highlights of the, uh, you know, the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury thing. Any any other items you'd like to discuss, sir? Yeah, I think it's worth at least touching on Jake Paul, Tommy Fury, because um, especially for myself, because I'm in the camp of I think it does help the sport. I mean, the sport has a lot of problems with fading. Um, you know, e- even if the, these aren't your top-level guys, which obviously they aren't, Still, I just think for boxing, especially with a with younger people, to to get any kind of publicity, uh, you know, Jake Paul choosing to box rather than than be an MMA guy and do the show, uh, and you know he he does have a wrestling background, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing. So I'm I'm good with that. I, I think it could only help. Um, so I was kind of surveying over the weekend. During the weekend itself, it, it wasn't quite getting as much discussion as I thought it might yet. This is the difference, you know, where I think boxing still, it's more good than bad, but you know, the next morning, you know, when, when Jake Paul did pick up the loss, I, you know, I heard national outlets that weren't even sports talking about it. Um, you know, satellite radio, things like that. Um, yep. you know, where they just never mentioned regular boxing anymore. And, and you know, in past, Eras most recently that would have been something like Mayweather and Pacquiao um, would get mentioned. Nothing really since at that level. You used to get it for the big fights, and you're not getting that anymore. That's kind of like I've talked, you know, on the show the last few weeks. What concerns me is, you know, to me, even though there's still big fights, I, I almost feel like we're at the first time in boxing history where if boxing would put together some of their biggest fights, you know, potential matchups like you know, Crawford and Spence, and now we might get Davis and Garcia. It looks like we're hopefully going to get that. Um, the first time where I'm feeling, you know, I did feel like Spence Crawford would be big, would kind of cross over, didn't happen. But, I mean, there's not many fights where, you know, even – what I meant to say is – Yeah, even if boxing been, delivers, right, even if it delivers, right. it, it doesn't activate the casualty. That's what I was trying to get to exactly. Like that to me is the first time in all my time following boxing. And then boxing was even bigger, you know, before I was born and that type of a thing. So I can say in boxing history where, yeah, the biggest event boxing could give you is not, but really might not cross over now at all to be mentioned just on national news and non-sports programs and stuff. That, that to me is really a concern. Um, You know, like, you know, at the time you were kind of like disappointed. Like you look at the Fury Wilder two and three, but now in hindsight, you look at how that did compared to what everything else was doing. Um, 
and it's better than than most everything else boxing's putting out there. So you know that maybe didn't quite maybe touched on that level, didn't quite get there, um, because you know you always kind of look to the heavyweights traditionally for that, except for you know you've had the welterweight divisions had fights like that. Um, you know, most recently with Mayweather, Pacquiao, and you go back, of course, you had Leonard Hearns, Leonard Duran, things like that. Um, yeah, that concerns me a lot for boxing. So, you know, this Jake Paul thing, at least the next day, I heard it get touched on. I heard some younger people talking about it. Um, you know, not a not a thrilling fight or anything like that, but I think in the ring what it came down to is the only little uncertainty for me was you just look at who both guys had fought, and you're like, man, how – it's kind of a little bit hard to handicap like that. Um, I didn't put as much stock in the silver win for Jake Paul as a lot of people because, you know, that, that silver win over Chavez, you know, even though Chavez is long faded and, and, you know, just not in shape anymore and things like that, you know, it was built as an exhibition. And I, I had a, a, a problem like really putting that much stock in that win, you know? So, and and that was like a theory where then, you know, you figured, okay, well, Jake Paul built beat Silva. So I had noticed the odds on the flight had flipped when Tommy Fury and Jake Paul were supposed to fight. Uh, initially, they did have Tommy Fury as a slight favorite. Then Paul beat Silva in the meantime. And then the odds makers, again, their livelihoods on the line. They got to try to get it right. It had flipped and Jake Paul was a slight favorite. But going into this one, I had uncertainty about both of their opposition, but haven't seen them both. It, it, Tommy Fury did look more like a boxer to me than Jake Paul going into this. So I thought Jake yeah, Paul right. might have. I thought Jake Paul might have. That was like round one, one, two. It's like, okay, well, yeah, he's looking pretty good here. Right. That, and that's what the way it played out is like, I know the opposition hadn't been good, but, you know, with that really low opposition, I mean, there was one or two boring performances, but some of the times I saw Tommy Fury, I mean, he, he looked like a boxer, you know, again, at that level of opposition. And, you know, Jake Paul outside of land and that big right hand, you know, he did make a couple of feints in some fights that, you know, I agree with people breaking it down. We're pretty good. You know, you could see he'd been training and guys, you know, outside of boxing was a, was a decent, you know, pretty good athlete, you know, in, in high school, that type of thing. That's what we were really dealing with with these guys. But, you know, Fury, at least, you know, he he was from the boxing family. It doesn't mean you're like your brother. We know that. It's not a blood thing where it's automatic. And even though he's half-brothers with Tyson Fury, still, you know, like Ali's bro- Muhammad Ali's brother wasn't that good. You know, that type of thing. You can't go by that. So I'm not foolish enough to go by that alone either. But it's just that you knew he was at least around it, you know, even if he wasn't a guy with an amateur pedigree or anything like that. He, he was kind of around a boxing family. So, yeah, I think that those kind of things came into play where, where he just, in terms of punch variety, you know, that kind of skill level, he, he just brought a little more than Jake Paul. Um, so, you know, you and I have been touching on this, and now it fits more than ever, kind of like a where does Jake Paul go? It's like, you know, he's making some money, but it, but they kind of like stalled out a little bit on figuring out, well, who who do we kind of pick out as opponents here? Does he just keep fighting former MMA guys, which does seem to get people interested in it. And even now it still might, or, you know, here he's, he's trying to take a guy with a name, the Fury name, and then who has been boxing. And I think the idea was he's going to beat a real boxer and he fell a little bit, a little bit short here. Apparently he's going to exercise the rematch clause. I, who knows though? I, I mean, you know, again, maybe, maybe, 
maybe a rematch does sell better than we think. I mean, like it or not, um, I actually saw Eddie Hearn talking today, and of course, you know, he's got he's coming from outside it, not promoting it. He's got his own interests, but I don't know. Maybe he's after. They seems to be talking about Jake Paul a lot still. Um, he, he's kind of made somewhat of a decent point, I thought, where Eddie Hearn's point now this week is, look, you know, this guy can go on and keep making money. You know, maybe he fights KSI or something, but what what he shouldn't be going with is let's not pretend just because he keeps boxing and gets a little bit better that he's he's going to be able to beat anybody that's been boxing, that that's not really the way to send this thing out. I was laughing a little bit because even though Hearn's biased because he's not promoting it, I mean, maybe that is the lesson from here on out, you know, that, that there's not enough time for this guy to get good enough to even credibly maybe sell a fight with a name, you know, and, and like Hearn was mentioned. But, you know, we know boxing can get crazy, so I, I don't think that this is wrong that, you know, maybe he would, you know, we're going to just throw him in. And Canelo himself said it. You know, you can't laugh too much because even Canelo was saying it. If they make the guy credible enough, I'll take a, you know, I'll take the payday. I mean, Canelo wasn't, Canelo wasn't like saying I'll never fight this man or anything like that, as absurd as it might be. So uh, you can't in the world of boxing totally discount those types of things. But Hearn's point was, you know, maybe it's now time for him to, to not be talking like that and, and just fighting the KSI. And, you know, you and I had talked. Uh, we both thought it would probably sell if he fought like a Nate Diaz, um, you know, things like that. But but forget about, you know, fighting fighting a regular boxer where, he, where he's going to just, you know, pick, pick up a loss. Um, but I, I just still wanted to mention it because even though there's a lot of purists that hate it, I, I still think it's good overall. Boxing needs any kind of exposure even something like this, I think at this point. So um, you, you had, a, after Paul picked up the loss, it seemed like you had some people talking about it, taking note of it. So who knows, maybe he can spend trying to get revenge. I, I don't know if he's even going to be able to good enough to do it against a Tommy Fury, but may, maybe they could spin that one more time. Um, and then like Hearn said, maybe he can fight. The KSI thing I actually tend to agree with probably would sell like Hearn saying. So, um, with that history with his brother. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably a sell. So uh, there there might there might be a couple fights for him, and, and Jake Paul doesn't seem like he's going to stop. Now, you know, we're not really getting what his pay-per-view numbers are. So he was honest about him. Some of them were kind of low. Um, we don't know how this one did. Uh, this was the first one on the ESPN+. Plus. Um, but as you and I say, when they keep going to it, Obviously, there's something something there where they're making enough. So, and they, we know the Saudis are dropping the site fees, so uh, they they see some value in it. So it'll it'll probably continue on even with the loss. Obviously, a little of the shines off it, but um, yeah, Paul did kind of kind of run short when when he's fighting somebody that had any kind of a more extensive boxing background. So probably didn't embarrass himself or anything, but probably is a bit of a red flag. So I just thought that that was uh, worth, worth noting from the, from the weekend. Yeah. I think the key there is he didn't embarrass himself, um, which, you know, you never know when you're going against a boxer, but you can clearly see that Fury had been boxing longer. Like you said, from, from the jump, you can just tell. And, and he hasn't looked great in a professional ring either, you know, many times. Not many, but, you know, through his short career so far. So 
Uh, could he win the rematch? Eh, there's a possibility. I don't know. But um, <laughs> that whole, like, <laughs> Radio Raheem, though, like, the, the, the interview after when he was like, right. calling him a champ, you know? Like, right. It's like, dude, he's not a champion, though. Like, what do you mean, dude? Like, I don't know. His, his voice was breaking up like he was crying and stuff. <laughs> and that was a little weird. Uh, but when Logan Paul, during the fight, when he said, uh, he's like, I love you, man. He was talking to his brother in radio. He's like, I love you too, man. And he just kept with the interview. It's like, yeah, I think he was talking. You asked him, what would you say to his brother? I think he was saying that to him. But either way, it was kind of funny how that happened. But, you know, it is what it is. He got excited, I guess. And a lot of excitement. Porter, I've never heard Porter on the mic like that, uh, being that excited. Um, about it was a decent fight, but you know there wasn't a ton going on in the fight. You know what I mean? It wasn't like oh my god, dude, the skill level and yeah, I don't know. It was kind of funny, but I get it though because hey, you know, especially where the fight is, if you can keep getting hired there, you know, be exciting. You know, be exciting all you want. Um, yeah, you know what, Chris? But yeah, I mean that's good. I'm sorry, I just wanted to jump in because I think you made an excellent point about the announcing. I, I think there's something I can just jump in on there that, that you reminded me is an excellent point. And it's to me, it's an example of when it's been taken too far. Because remember, the alphabets actually did get involved in this where, as absurd as it was, the WBC said if Jake Paul right. wins, it's going to be ranked. So here, here's the point with like yep. Lady Rahim and Porter is it was actually like the next and we've seen other cards like this with lower promoters. It, it, it was, sure. It's actually like the, the next logical conclusion when you just keep buying into the bullshit alphabet belt saying anything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, when you're like, even if you're doing the fight, that's for the IBF championship of, of just making up, you know, something of 115 right. pounds. Um, and then you're making an all big deal about it when, when the two guys in the fight might clearly not be the, the top 215 pound guys. It's really just right. the next logical leap from that. So I guess, you know, what mm-hmm. I'm kind of saying is when broadcasts, and, and they've really gotten worse and worse, you know, and you get it in other sports too, to yeah. different degrees. If they're going to no do it on the sports. top shows, then why the hell wouldn't you do it on the other shows, right? I mean, right. When there's no journalistic. Yeah, when there's right. no journalistic integrity, because it's really not being too high and mighty to say that it's the truth. That's what we've lost. You know, when the, right when there's no journalistic integrity in the broadcasts anymore. And let's face it, you know, UFC had that point where they insisted when they were getting deals, they had to bring their own announcers. Well, that's why they had to bring their own announcers because they were right. already you know set on hey, it's not about journalism; it's about our guys saying what we want them to say about our product, mm-hmm. um, whether it's bullshit or not. And, you know, that's a problem. Right. And, then, and then it gets to, like, other media when you don't call these people out. That's why I like how we're independent because, you know, when we're po- podcasting here or, or you're tweeting something out, I'm not tied to any broadcast entity where I have to worry about – you know, I can say whatever I want. If, if a broadcaster's right. putting bullshit out there, I could just say that's bullshit. You know, I don't have to worry about – the boss coming in and saying, Hey, you know, you're hurting our product there by calling that out. You know, we could just say it. So that's, that's what you're saying. Like with radio Rahim, I mean, he took a lot of crap. You know, it's like I said, it's only like one level farther than what everybody else is doing. It's not probably yeah. quite as, as, 
it's, it is it is a leap, but it's probably not quite as ridiculous as a leap as everybody else is saying. So, and, and like you said, Porter yeah, getting all sure. the I mean, yeah, you know. So, you know, if like, like, look here, here's an example. Even though he's been good in his career, and it was the same card. I mean, if you're gonna pretend that you know Badu Jack beating Lakumbu is by knockout is like like a great like title winning effort that's going to go down in history which which people were pretending like that the next day i mean that's like just another version of the same thing even though it is a wbc alphabet title you know i mean i'm not the point is not that jake paul is anywhere near the boxer of badu jack or tommy fury they're not and that's obvious and, and of course i know that but it's just that you know jai opatia beat Breedis. you know that's not what badu jack just did but you're going to have all the broadcasters and you even have people the next day saying he's a hall of famer now. I mean, he beat Makabu. I mean, you know, pe- people have just totally lost the plot on, on this kind of stuff. Right. Part so of that put him over the top. It was that win that put him over the top. It wasn't anything else he did before. Right. And the schedule he took on, right. Cause he took on a hell of a schedule there for a while. Right. Uh, fight after fight after fight. No, it's not all that stuff. This is what did it. It was this is this put him over the top. Um, and I like Bobby right. Jack, and I and I like that he won. But uh, it really puts it in perspective of uh, you know that whole Canelo stuff too. Uh, you know right. when it comes to this was going to be the title and all that, and it, 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 it's just, it's just funny. And it's, it's another version of the same thing, right? Because Canelo would have knocked the guy out, but then. Right. right. Would that have been historic because Canelo knocked out Makabu for a WBC alphabet cruiserweight belt? Not really. Shouldn't have been. It's just, you know, maybe at best what it is is Canelo beating a top ten cruiserweight. You know, that's that's kind of you make note of that. I make note of that. But that that's yeah, all. Yeah. You know, not you know, not mm-hmm. nothing more than that. And that's what people try to say. Well, he picked up a world title belt, but you know, that's that's why you just can't you can't take these belts that the alphabets put on somebody as the barometer of, of, of meaningfulness or not. You, that's, that's the whole problem with that argument. It, just, it just doesn't hold water. Right. So this weekend, on Showtime back-to-back weekends, Brandon Figueroa and Mark Magsayo. Um, You know, obviously Figueroa, you know, did get – for a while we thought he was going to fight Fulton – it seemed like that was pretty much, uh, you know, pretty much signed or, or, you know, in advanced talks, I should say. But then, uh, you know, we we got the the Fulton Inouye stuff all of a sudden, and, and all of a sudden an opportunity came up, and, and, and there we go. Um, and I believe that's either going to be May or June. I know they're still trying to get the exact date figured out. but um, And I was like, wow, so – Bolton's going to go up to 126, and then he did leave the door open for uh, undisputed with MJ, or or obviously if Inoue was coming up. And now, you know, we have, uh, I think, all four fights set from all the belts he dropped. It, it's funny how quick stuff moves in the smaller divisions. Isn't it? It's like, bam, 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 bam. No problem. We got it figured out, you know. Um, when there's not as much bullshit in politics, you know. Um, but this is a good fight. This is a good fight. It's an interesting fight. Um, some some folks don't exactly know where to rate Figueroa um, 
at this weight class. It's not like he spent a bunch of time here yet. So depending upon the ranking service, uh, but not just what he showed, you know, against Fulton, he had some other good moments. The Nary, and obviously that looks a lot better now. Um, but, but what he was able to do in making that Fulton fight very competitive. Some people thought he won. Some thought it was a draw. Some people thought he lost. I thought he lost seven to five, but either way, Fulton is an all-purpose fighter. He's got, you know, he can do a lot in the ring. Is he that, you know, does he have power? No, that's that's the one thing he doesn't have. Now, he's got pop, but he doesn't have power. But he's versatile. He'll sit there and, and be on the rope and brawl with you and throw punch to punch. He can move. He's ultra-skilled. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And for Figueroa to, you know, constantly have people fight his fight, um, that's what he's really good at. And I think he's even better than what a lot of people thought. Uh, and then I, I think maybe that draw with Seha uh, slowed down the hype on him, um, you know, a little bit. But, I mean, the Nary and Fulton, those, those two, I really was – I was impressed with those. And like I said, even in a loss, a very close loss, a majority decision. So it was uh, – you know, it wasn't 100% unanimous, but – now he's got a you know a guy in Maxayo who's a another good fighter coming off a, a you know I'd say the second half of that fight it took took him a while to get going with Vargas like to where he was winning round after round but he definitely got back into that fight obviously we know the Gary Russell speaking of Seha he, he beat Seha knocked him out um, you know kind of came on the scene really after that fight if you look at his resume there wasn't much there and then all of a sudden and we know he was you know with Manny promotions and all that um this I mean I just don't know how this isn't a good fight you know if you look at these two styles um I'll say this though uh you know it usually takes Figueroa a little bit to kind of crowd his guy and to, to close that gap and you know at times in the past Figueroa has had a bad habit of smothering his own work, and I think a lot of that is in the past. Because uh, of late, in the last chunk of fights, the last few years, that hasn't been really the case. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's a brutal guy. He's coming to take you out, and he's a little bit more skilled than people. I think both these guys are a little more skilled than people, you know, want to admit or whatever. Because you know, we've seen Figueroa in, in a lot of brawls because that's his style. Um, but he, he, he's smart in there. And like I said, the, the Russell um, victory, yeah, it was clear that there was something wrong with Russell, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? That, that's just how it goes. At least he backed it up, especially at 126 where Ray Vargas is better. Um, he backed it up with a, with, with a sturdy performance, I'd say. Um, what says you about this fight? Because I really think Max Sayo has to do damage early. He can't be – you don't want to be coming on from, oh, man, I, I just got to get Figueroa to the seventh round, then I'll take over, because by that time, he's on you. Yeah, I, I'm glad. For me, it's just good timing that Figueroa is fighting this weekend, because I view it like you were alluding to, Chris. I, I just think there's a lot of people that are sleeping on Figueroa and underestimating him. Now, he's fighting at featherweight now. Since he started as a bantamweight, even though he, he kind of got more on the radar screen at 122, he did start out as a bantamweight. And, like, you know, as I've said a lot of times on the show, 
you know, my barometer is once the guy has moved up a traditional weight class, like, you know, spanning an original weight, eight weight class, we got to take a look at it. So I think Figueroa, now that he's at featherweight, he started as a bantam, so we got to take a look at that. But he's got the size. He, he's still shown the power. So I think to me he's already proven that he's not going to be uh, significantly affected fighting at featherweight. So I, I'm kind of not worried about that. Um, I think, you know, people – and it's understandable why you would, but I think people got a little thrown off by the Seha fight, the draw – because this happens once in a while. It doesn't happen in these over-the-weight situations a lot. But once in a while you have it where, you know, if a guy is over the weight and he's totally out of shape, then he's at a disadvantage. But you have once in a while where a guy is actually in shape and then he decides he's not going to bother making the weight and he gets an advantage uh, by not having to cut, and he's in shape. And I think that was Seha against Figueroa. Seha didn't seem to really make an effort to make the weight. The fight went on, and I think Figueroa fought that fight at a big disadvantage. It took a lot of punishment, you know, made it a legit draw. But I think that that, like you said, that that had some people get down on him. And I think a lot of those people didn't like him before that anyway, and then that became their excuse to discount him. I liked him before that. Uh, I had to make sure I wasn't making excuses for him. Um, But... You know, I, I wasn't. I, I thought it really was that weight thing, and I, I liked his chances against Nary, and then he ended up getting the knockout. And like you said, that wins aging well with Nary coming off a good performance against Hovenetian, uh, and and he had a lot of good performances before that. And then you know, so you had Figueroa. I think you summed it up excellently with what Fulton brings to the table. Uh, he had a great performance against Fulton where he really came on. I thought he did do enough to win it. I could see people thinking Fulton won that fight or a draw. But for myself, I did think Figueroa came on so strong, I thought he won it. Um, so that, to me, was a plus performance for him as well. And, you know, all his other ones mainly were good. So, you know, and I think you summed him up well. I think he's a guy who has height and skill, could use it if he wanted to, uh, he has some nuance, but he chooses to wear down his opponents, lean on them, use his physical size and power and volume, and that's just the way he likes to fight his fights. He said that because I think he could fight in a different way. I don't think he's going to now. It's been too long, but I do think he has those kind of skills and the height. He's not going to start fighting that way, uh, and it's been a very entertaining style. Um, Magsayo, you know, he got dropped against Seha, legit hard knockdown. Uh, then he did get the knockout over him, but he was down in that fight. Um, so even though Figueroa did have a draw with Seha, you know, I, I think Magsayo, he, he showed in that fight that he's got power and his power's real, but kind of kind of a rough performance for him otherwise against Seha. Then the Russell fight, like you said, you know, you, you don't take anything away from Magsayo, but whatever was going on with Russell that night, it wasn't the same Russell, and it didn't seem to be because of what Magsaya was doing in there. Magsaya legitimately won the fight. Russell just didn't do enough. Um, but, you know, even though he was the guy that finally upset, you know, Russell's train, which had been going since the Lomachenko loss, uh, it still it wasn't an overly impressive performance by Magsaya. You give him credit for getting a win, but it wasn't overly 
impressive. And then against Vargas, he he clearly lost. You know, he didn't get knocked out or anything. But Vargas isn't a puncher. And and then he comes off a performance against Foster that wasn't really too good. Um, So I think this is set up to me for uh, Figueroa to shine. I I think he's got to watch Magsire's power. You know, he's a guy that's going to be there to at least give the opponent some chances to nail him. So, you know, that is Magsire's to me, one chance in the fight. But I, I think uh, Figueroa brings a lot of power on his own. I think he's a better all-around fighter. He's had the better performances. And I think that this is a chance for Figueroa to shine. I think people have been sleeping on him with, you know, Fulton going ahead and taking the in-a-way fight. Um, I think this is just going to be a good time for him to shine. I think he's going to be impressive and get the KO here. Uh, I see he's an underdog to get the KO. He's a plus to get the KO. I'm going to make that call on this one. Um, you know, I like Figueroa for the win, no matter what, uh, even if he's not able to KO Magsayo. But I, but I think he can get the KO here. I, I think this is a chance for him to shine. I think people have been underrating him. I think he's still got a lot left at this point. He, he's young, even for a featherweight with his style. He's got some more good fights in him. He's got the power and the size, even for featherweight. And I, I think this is a good opportunity for him to shine as the headliner. And I think he's going to, He's going to step up and get the KO here. Yeah, I kind of feel like the same thing, or at least a, a clean win, maybe a knockdown or two. But I, I think he's going to come out with a with a clean win like that. I, I just think he's he's a little too much for him. But uh, you know, I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, on the how we get there. You know, I think it's going to be really exciting fight. Uh, both these guys are generally in, in, in pretty good fights, but. Figueroa, it's just tough for him not to be in just based off the style. I mean, it's just, it, it is a blast, and it is kind of cool. Like, you know, Ray Vargas will probably come down. Will he want another fight? Is he just going to get the winner of this? Because he still has that belt. This is, you know, they, they gave permission for him to go up, and then clearly he would have to make a decision. I don't know if it's 10 days or 20 days or whatever, but he's, you know, my, my guess is he's going to come down. Maybe I'm wrong, though. But, uh, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, the winner gets that or, you know, we'll see. Obviously, Leo Santa Cruz is still in that lingering area. Maybe they'll make that fight. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know that they're trying to have uh, Santa Cruz have a couple of fights. Like, a, I don't know if it's two or three or five or what. He doesn't have that many fights left. So I, I believe that they're definitely going to try to get him in the mix there. Uh, and, he, you know, he, he did make – you know, he can make 126 still, whether he fights there or not. That's something we're going to definitely have to find out. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he fights uh, Foster. You know, I doubt it. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there as far as, uh, you know, him getting the dub in, in, a, in a clean one, uh, an impressive one, and that would really make a statement for him. Um, we do have the kind of like a, it gives me kind of the showbox vibe. Uh, the Vidal, uh, Vidal and Garcia fight, um, Elijah Lorenzo Garcia, you know, both unbeaten, not like, uh, you know, overly tested by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but, you know, it, it's two unbeaten guys on the card. Um, I've seen more. I, I think I saw, well, I saw the quick little uh, Edgar Valenzuela fight. Uh, highlight. I remember that because I think that was like a first round. I think I've seen I 
forgot what the other fight was, but, um, you know, I, I don't really, I, I still haven't dug all the way into this fight as far as any kind of money on it or, or whatnot. We do have Jared Hurd returning. Um, so, you know, he's, he's finally at 160, which a lot of people wanted him to be at, but it is tough to, to you know, to see what, you know, what he's going to bring. He's going against uh, a pretty game dude in uh, uh, Jose Armando uh, Resendez or whatever. i definitely seen him fight a couple times. I, I know that Hernandez fight. Um, and there was another one of late in the last few years. But anyway, um, any fights on the undercard? I mean, I'll say this. It's funny because the Showtime triple header fights, I think, will be action-packed like the – you know, the ones below it. But if you look at, like, what I believe, they haven't announced, they usually announce it during the fight week, but I, I believe the Goucher and Lynch, the Brandon Lynch, and the Justin DeLoach and Trevon uh, Tra- Marshall, I believe that they're going to be on that YouTube Facebook stream. And, you know, from the sounds of it, it sounds like, you know, DeLoach has been out for a long time, you know. He was kind of, kind of there. Pulled some upsets. Then all of a sudden, got like a, a variety of fights there where you know he lost a couple. You know had had a couple of uh, upsets. Then got knocked out. That that Stanonis' fight was his last fight. Gave him a good run. Um, you know, he, he, I thought he definitely uh, fought Rosario good. Um, so he's kind of up and down, pulling upset here be kind of a B-side opponent there, uh, game dude. And according to a PBC matchmaker, that he's close to on weight. Like, he's really – he knew about the fight. It's not late notice, uh, that it's it's going to be a real fight for him. Obviously, uh, um, I don't know how long he's been in camp. But um, to me, just because, you know, Marshall doesn't have many fights, to me, I think, you know, that potentially has – you know, potentially has a huge step up, but, you know, we just don't know where DeLoach is, you know, in his career because he's been off so long. But like I said, um, Ron Katz did say, actually on Twitter, he said, I just hung up with him. He's already close to weight and says he's in tip-top shape and form. So, you know, we've heard a lot of things from fighters and managers and promoters and all that, so I'm not going to get lost in that. But I think you know, considering it's what Marshall's, uh, I think it's his eighth fight or seven. Yeah, I think he's seven and zero. I think that's an interesting step up. Um, any other items that you want to talk about on the undercard or or whatever else? You know. Yeah, just no. That's interesting. I mean, Ron Ron Katz is you know he's been doing this for decades. He's credible, so usually when he says something, I take it seriously. So it's worth no. I've always liked Deloach as a fighter. Uh, up and down, like you said, sometimes little problems with the chin, um, but he's got some pop. But I think with the punishment he's taken and the losses and the time off, I, I do put stock in what Ron says, and Ron thinks it's a good matchup. It could be, but it's going to be tough for Deloach. Jarrett Hurd, who's always been one of my favorites, I have to mention just because he's fighting, not crazy about it. You know, the fighters got the right to make their own decisions and make money, but 
you know, my operating theory, which is going to go on for good at this point, uh, because I think the evidence is there. And I think that fight, I always get back to it because I think it was the fight of the year. It was underrated. Uh, you know, Jarrett Hurd and, you know, J-Rock, Julian Williams, they, you know, on Fox, they, they just beat the hell out of each other. Uh, even though Williams clearly won the fight and dropped Hurd, Hurd was still coming back at him the whole way. That was a fight that, to me, the punch that number supported what kind of fight it was. And, you know, Hurd her can do a lot of damage with his hands. And, you know, J-Rock's got solid power, at least. I, I just think they took it all out of each other that night. That was one of those fights where they, they both gave it their all, uh, which is what you want out of your fighters. And they gave us fight of the year. But I don't think either of them has been the same. Um, you know, a lot of them people who didn't like Jared Hurd got said, oh, I didn't think he was that good and stuff like that. Hey, the guy beat Arizlandi Lara and dropped him. Uh, you know, we saw him knock out Harrison. Nobody knocks out Trout. He knocked out Trout. He he was for real. He was the real deal. You know, sometimes the wear and tear just gets to be too much. And I think in, he was a guy that took a lot of shots before that, too. There is no disputing that. But uh, I just think him and Williams took it all out of each other. You know, Williams has been upset a couple of times since. Uh, ironically, he just got another fight announced today uh, going up against a streaking Adamas, which that, to me, could be ugly. Uh, I'm not I'm not crazy about that one. We didn't touch on it. It's a good segue to touch on. I'm not, not crazy about uh, that one getting put together. And I'm not crazy about Jarrett Hurd coming back. It's his right. But I was a guy, big fan of his, big believer. My theory is always going to be from this point on. I just think him and Williams took too much out of each other. Uh, I don't think it's going to be good for him. You know, I, I'm not saying he's a, he's a big favorite. I'm not saying it's going to be Saturday night, but uh, this to me is a comeback that probably isn't going to end well. Uh, I just think uh, Hurd and Williams, you know, just, just wore each other out with that fight of the year type of fight. And um, I'm not real. Like I said, he, he's got the right to do what he wants, but not crazy about him coming back. Yeah. And it's, and it's been a while since he's looked good, too. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I remember that fight. I think it was on the Wilder Fury undercard, the first one, um, where he was kind of trying to, like, almost do like the shoulder roll rope-a-dope right. for a second. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? And then he's like, all right, I'll just bang this guy out. But yeah, right. I, I'm, I see where you're coming from on that one. Um, I thought that with uh, Jean Pascal, with some other guys. Now Jean Pascal came back and then proved a bunch of us wrong, but then did he really prove us wrong or did he get some help, you know, based off of, you know, what right. has come out after that? He failed drug tests and all that. But I remember saying, you know, every once in a while, I will do that as well, where I'm just like, you know, I got to say, I really I really don't know if I want to see this. You know, I, I don't know if I really want – like you said, the, the guy has a chance to – you know, it's, it's, his, it's his life. I'm not going to take it away from him. Do what you got to do. But, yeah, it is – there's fighters that get into the danger zone, and it's just like, hmm – you know, how many more wars can they be in? And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I mean, I, that that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, I guess we'll see. And, and, you know, will he have to? He just blows up so much, too, 
he's a big dude in general that, yeah, I mean, 160 might be better for him, but at this stage in his career, I, I, I know what you mean. In fact, I remember um, oh Francisco Vargas. Like, I remember Francisco Vargas fought like a war, got knocked out against Burchell. And then they ran back a rematch like two years later. And it was like, what are we doing this for? You know, like, we don't need right. to do this. And it was totally way more one-sided. And, yeah, it had moments of brawling because that's what these two dudes do. You know, so they're, they're going to end up hitting each other. I mean, it's boxing. But I, I know what you mean. I, I, I hear that. I definitely hear that. And uh, it is one of those you know, cases where he's just in so many, I mean, you can, for such a stretch, he was just in so many fights, you know? I mean, so yeah, I hear you. I, I definitely hear you. And hopefully, uh, you know, like you said, this one, sh- you know, it better go well, you know, because if it doesn't go well, that's going to be issue. But you can go back to uh, Tony Harrison. I mean, that was a brawl where Harrison was up, and he was doing that Austin Trout fight. I mean, Trout was hitting them with the most clean shots, I think, before these highlights I saw, you know, on the bare-knuckle stuff that that Trout was in. Before that, I've never seen Trout land that many clean punches in a fight. And, and he still walked through that stuff and got through that. But you're right. I mean, the Harrison, Trout, Lara, that was that well-born. And then Julian Williams. And even Santana. You know, even it, 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 it that was probably a, a clean win there. But I guess it's hard not to look at about give or take eighteen or nineteen, twenty months ago, something like that against Arias. You know, Luis Arias. It just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. It, it's we'll see. It's not. It better not. You know, for his sake, it better not come right on this one because then we know he's going to be done. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, he's definitely a name. You know, he had belts and all that. So we'll see how that one goes. Any other items that you uh, would like to discuss, sir? Yeah, no, just her, her, just to make it clear, he was one of my favorite fighters, you know, been one of my favorites. So I, I wish him the best, but I, I just I, ha- I have concerns about this one. Just got to call it like it is. And I'm just going to wrap up just real briefly. We've had some good fights, but for me, even though you hate having to pay uh, with what we don't get in the sport nowadays, I'm just really looking forward to Plant Benavides with that undercard, that whole four-fight show. Uh, that, to me, is that's something getting me hyped up. I mean, like a night, a night of action like that across four fights. I mean, that, to me, is something mm-hmm. to get pumped up for a boxing fan. You hate to have to pay, but with what we normally get, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fork over my money happily on this one just to just to have a, a, a four fight night of action like that. So we're less than a month away. I find myself that's that's what I'm real that's the night I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean usually, you know, if you're you're happy when you get especially in recent years, but just in general, you're happy if you get that fight where you're like, Okay, this is an interesting fight in the main event. It's a big fight. Okay, it means that, you know, two top five guys in the division, cool. But then when you actually get that type of undercard, um, that is, the, you're right, I'm really looking forward to that. that that's going to be a good good night of fights and, and just, like, testing grounds. And 
Yeah, it, it means something. There's like stories for the winner, and you know what I mean. It, you're right. right. It, it is just a just a good good all around card. All right. Well, uh, um, thanks for uh, you know calling in tonight and uh, enjoy the fights. We'll be back next week. And by the way, my schedule now does seem, and I know I've said this before, but you know how schedules can change. But it does seem like my Tuesday is starting to get under control to where past 7 Central, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping to be able to stick to the Tuesday night, just, just a heads up. All right, sounds good, Chris. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, you take it easy. Have a good night, John. All right, Chris, have a good night. Take it easy. All righty. Um, and let's see. Um, just talking a little bit about that undercard, I said Bashan Owens pulled a big upset um, over Abdu Kakarov. I did think Jamal James was going to fight him next. Um, but, you know, our guy from Minnesota with the upset, he did a really good job of just – um, controlling the fight. Like, he was in control most of the time, controlling the distance behind that jab, landing the better shots. It was competitive, but it was a clean win, I thought. And then I think I mentioned that Willie Jones upset knockout. And yeah, Owens was a plus 500, I believe. I didn't – I'll just fully – full disclosure, I didn't bet on him. But um, yeah, I think it was a left hook from Willie Jones. During an exchange, first round, pretty freaking nasty. That that was I was impressed with that one. At any time, so we did have two different upsets on the undercard. And then my thoughts, you know, beyond like the first round was really slow of that, you know, Elvis Rodriguez, Joseph Adorno. Like we're talking real slow, and um, and Rodriguez for me. You know, I gave him the, the, the second round, um, a jab and the straight left hand, kind of a late combination to close, kind of kind of won it. Uh, Adorno started landing his jab, uh, left hook to the body, right hands. Um, to me, the third, the first and the third round were probably the, the two slowest rounds. Um, I even put that in my notes here. A uh, few decent, you know, looping shots. I did give Adorno. I don't know who won the first round. I'll just admit it. I, I really don't. But I gave him the third. Gave Adorno the fourth. You know, he was landing those one-twos with the jab or just pot shots with the right hand or landing the left hook. I thought Rodriguez, you know, started attacking the body more and just landing some more good, pot, you know, power shots. So I gave him the fifth round there. Now I did 70 seconds, what was it, 70 seconds left um, of the sixth round. I think it was a, a left hook overhand right. Uh, Rodriguez kind of, you know, did his damage early in midway. I thought he was countering pretty well. But those lead rights, and then there was another left hook with 30 seconds left in overhand rights and whatnot. Um, you know, there might have been a knockdown that they missed, you know, um, in there. Uh, in the sixth round, there was a little funky stuff in general. Like the knockdown itself, some people think it was, you know, a trip or a slip or whatever. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But in that seventh round, I think it was the seventh round, uh, Rodriguez did score the – it was a left hand to the body and then a right hook. Um, 
that was, you know, legit. <laughs> that that right hook was wicked. That was a nice shot. And, you know, as that, like I said, once it got past the first three, four rounds, the fight actually got pretty damn good, I thought. Um, and that, I believe that was the first time Adorno had been down, correct? I mean, Rodriguez landed another right hand. The last 30, 40 seconds, there was back and forth. Rodriguez, like, with a late uppercut to really significant. I mean, the, the knockdown already hit it. But, you know, and then I thought he carried it into the eighth as well. Jabs right hands, right hooks to the body and head, big right hands late. Um, you know, it's not like Adorno didn't do anything. You know, he's landing his looping shots and his left hand and whatnot. Ninth round was good give and take, back and forth. Uh, and then, like, the last maybe 30 seconds, it was really slow. Um, and then Rodriguez, um, was it the, like the last 20 seconds or something like that? Um, basically, he won the fight overall. Now, was that, you know, uh, 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 that one was where it was like, was that a trip, a, a punch and a slip, a trip? You know, that one was a little, uh, you know, in between, I guess you could say. But either way, um, you know, Rodriguez just pulled it off, got the job done in a competitive fight. I did think he won. Some people didn't. Um, the scorecard's red, 97, 91, 95, 93, and then there was a draw scorecard in there, which obviously would have been a 6-4 for Adorno. But I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was a good fight. Rodriguez, you know, definitely, um, you know, won it for me. Landed a little cleaner. You know, 90 to 69, neither guy. I mean, 320 and 316 through 10 rounds. That's not throwing that many punches, that's for sure. But um, like I said, the second half of that fight definitely, uh, you know, heated up. Um, now, I did watch the Golden Boy card from Thursday on the zone with Grappy John Ramirez in there. He, he pretty much dominated. He was flashy. He was throwing combos. He was bouncing around. He was having fun. He was doing his thing out there. <clears throat> the Manny Flores, it was Flores and Gonzalez. Um, that was a good fight. I liked that, that fight. I thought that was a really fun fight. Um, you know, like the Flores started out, you know, I thought pretty strong. Uh, um, the third and fourth round right in there, uh, Gonzalez started landing some, some pretty damn hard shots. This was a, a legit test for Manny Flores. Um, then Flores got stumbled, I think in that fourth round still, yeah, there was an exchange and Flores got stumbled. Um, I think it was a left hand that he got hit with, but there wasn't much left in that round. He was able to get out of there. Um, uh, Gonzalez landed some really nice two punch combos, like in the fifth round, but in that same fifth round, uh, Flores landed a right hook. Uh, that was nasty. That was really, really nasty. Scored a knockdown. Flores, you know, landed really well to the body, in the head, in the sixth. Gonzalez actually popped back in the seventh, though. I thought he, he closed out pretty well there, considering. Um, but overall, um, I did think that, you know, he, he, it was just a good, good test. You know, it was a really good test. Um, and that Franklin Gonzalez, like I said, it was a split decision. It was definitely a split decision. Um, there was like an accidental headbutt, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So it went eight rounds. 
and um, you know that was a good fight. I like that fight. That was a that was a very interesting fight. Uh, I thought that was you know the best from what I saw. The best. I didn't see every single solitary um, you know fight on that card, but because some of them were just like whatevers. But I, I did I did see that one. I made sure I watched that one. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I got out of that one. Um, there was God, what other fight? I mean, obviously I'm going to get to my thoughts on the Fury stuff, but and the Badu Jack. There was also um, that Gaios and Ben something like that. Uh, there was a majority draw. Um, guy, I mean, that that was kind of interesting. That was kind of interesting. The Richard uh, Van, Van Sleet, I can't remember how to say his name. Um, honestly, like, majority draw, that could have went either way. It was a tight fight. Um, to me, Gaios was just like, I mean, they had a lot of back-and-forth exchanges in, in the fight. And, um, you know, Gaios' problem, you know, is defense. You know, I mean, offensively, damn good. Good fight in general. Um, but I thought, you know, that uh, Richard Van Sicklin, he had a, a good start. I think I, I, gave, I think it was like 2-2. I think, I, think he, I think he won like the – the second, I didn't, I, I just jotted some notes. I didn't actually score this whole one. But I think it was the second, the fourth, and I want to say, like, he had a good start, and then Gaios kind of, you know, to me, took over the fight in the mid-rounds, maybe five, six, seven-ish. But then the last three rounds, you know, it kind of went the other way. And the different, like, he was countering really well, you know, using a little sidestep, using angles. I just thought it was a good fight. I'd like to see it again, actually. I think that, that, that was a good fight, and that was the draw. So that's another fight I wanted to talk about. Um, what else we got? I think that was about it for that. I did, um, like I said, I didn't watch the – I was busy. I was working on Sunday at that time I was just kind of having a busy day I did get to see um, a, like I, I basically I don't live stream you know um, if, if I'm not going to pay for it I'm not going to pay for it and I'll just look up Daily Motion or you know allthefights.com or YouTube or whatever I'll just try to Google search if it pops up then it pops up and I'll legally watch it a day later right so that's exactly what I did and Badu Jack had his way with oh boy I mean that that wasn't a big surprise there um, especially once they started fighting it is one of those fights where you're like oh yeah this is uh, this is not going to go <laughs> you know this is not going to go well oh and by the way I did think Jamal James for the most part won damn near all the rounds. He was looking really good. Uh, you know, the jab and left hook. He was moving really well, letting his hands go, going to the body, just busy. Body work, movement, doing his thing. And, and Palmetta, Palmetta, 
at times he was closing the distance and, and getting good shots in his little, you know, his body working those blooping power shots and whatnot. Um, you know, I thought he did good in the middle rounds. I gave him some rounds in there. Um, like even the sixth round was very close. The fifth and sixth round were really close. Um, but I think it was between round six and seven, or maybe seven and eight. I think it was six and seven. Um, Jamal was saying to his corner, and I bet you when Paul Meadow watches this fight again, he's going to be mad because he could have jumped on him. And I'm not, I, I don't wish anything bad against my guy Jamal James from Minneapolis, but I'm just, as the boxing you know, guy here, pad uh, podcaster, I, I got to call it like I see it, and I think Jamal beat this guy, obviously, not even in his best. You know, Jamal did get COVID. He was supposed to fight in the fall, got COVID for his third time, and he said that, you know, really took a lot out of him. And you could tell, like, in that sixth round, they were talking about it in the corner. He's like, dude, I'm just exhausted. Like, I am not good right now. You know, like, you could tell. And he just did some crafty stuff. You know, in the eighth and ninth and and at times, he was kind of arm-punching, but he was making sure he was busy. The problem was Palmetto, Palmetto didn't have enough urgency. Now, maybe that urgency would have brought something back out of, you know, my guy, and he would have, you know, won the fight anyway. Yeah. Um, clearly, he was going to win this fight. But uh, I bet you Palmetto looks back at it and be like, man, I could have made that a tighter fight. I just didn't even know he was – because he looked gassed. I mean, he looked exhausted. And, uh, they had talked about on the telecast how there was, um, you know, two fights that at times, you know, he faded down the stretch of fights, Jamal James. But overall, he, he throws, a, you know, a lot of punches. He's a guy that will bang with you. He's a guy that will move. So I thought he looked really good considering, you know, he wasn't in – not to say he wasn't in the best shape, but, you know, coming off – a long layoff, and then also, you know, he didn't have his win. You know, he, he looked pretty tired, man. He looked exhausted. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to have him on the show and talk to him about that because, uh, you know, his trainer was like, hey, dude, are we good? You know, are you good? I'm not saying he was going to quit in the corner, but it was like, he could tell there was something up with James. And for James to get through that, and be crafty like that and just, you know, use his advantages, use his skill. I, I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed. Um, now, with the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury stuff, well, actually, I kind of already gave my take on, yeah, I already gave my prediction. I think there is a chance for a late TKO for uh, Brandon Figueroa. Um, I think he'll win cleanly, though. I, I'm thinking like an 8-4 to four with a knockdown or two. Um, I just think that this style, I don't know. Magsayo, there's times where he just leaves stuff on the table, where he should take advantage of something or at least throw, because he's got real power. He's got speed. He's got some accuracy. It just Sometimes he's just trying to jump into punches so much, or he's trying to look for one big punch rather than being active. And Figueroa, don't get me wrong, he's looking you know, for big punches, but he's going to be active. And I just think the style fits well. I mean, to have Magsayo on the back foot, on the move, you know, for the whole fight, I don't think he can win that fight. I don't think he's going to fight like that. But even if he tries that, I just think, like I was saying with John, those first, like, three to five rounds, you have to put rounds in the bank with Figueroa. 
Because if you don't, he's going to eat you up. And even if you do, he's probably going to eat you up. You know? Pause. So, I do have Figaro winning that fight. Um, so, yeah. Like I said, look for those other two fights on the YouTube. I'm assuming it'll be Showtime YouTube. They, they Like I said, they, it's kind of – remember when they used to do the uh, Showtime Extreme? They used to have a fight or two on those. Um, this is the same same type of idea, you know, same type of idea. So, I, and they've been doing it lately, so I assume that that's what they'll do. I assume that Terrell Goucher and Brandon Lynch, you know, I think that'll be on there. Um, and Lynch has, uh, he had those back-to-back fights where the first one was a split decision draw. And the second one, I believe, you know, he... Uh, he pretty much, you know, although he actually got knocked down in that fight, now that I, I think about it, um, and he got a bunch of cuts, <laughs> but uh, he did win the fight. He did win the fight, um, so he was able to get a fight in to close the year. And Goucher, you know, I mean, we've kind of heard both ways with Goucher. Is he going to be done? Is he not? Last year here in uh, Minneapolis, he, you know, put Tim Zhu on his butt, and then, you know, slowly but surely, Tim Zhu got back in that fight, and he took it to him. But, I mean, um, Goucher's had just a string of competitive fights, or just quality fights. You know, he pulled that upset over Clark. Um, even the Joey Hernandez back then. Arislandi Lara, pretty one-sided in that one. Um, I thought he... He showed up pretty good against Lubin, Austin Trout. That was another really tight fight. So he had a run of really tough fights. So we'll see. You know, maybe they're just, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's. Am I think? I think I'm thinking about somebody else. Who else? Because he didn't just retire, but somebody else retired, and I just for some reason forgot. But those two fights, Goucher and Brandon Lynch and. Uh, the seven and zero prospect Trayvon Marshall, good fighter. I saw him. I seen him at least, well, for sure once. I know he fought here once, um, and that was last summer. Um, he scored a, a late. You know, he went for the knockout late. Actually, yeah, I've seen him. Let's see, I've seen him back to back times because he was on that other card I was just talking about. And yeah, his second fight was it his first fight too. Yeah, second fight was here. So he's fought three times now at the Armory. Or four times. Got it. I know I had seen him. See, I hadn't seen him at every one of those fights because I didn't go to every one of them. Um, so anyway, that should be kind of interesting there. Now, on to the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury stuff. You know, right away, the jab, the cleaner punches, uh, closing with combinations for certain rounds, uh, kind of jab. Uh, stick and move, pot shots. That's basically what Fury was doing. Um, Paul would land a couple of decent shots there, a couple of jabs here, a right hook there. But I, it took me, let's see, do, 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 do. it took me quite a while to give um, Jake Paul a round. I, I gave Fury the first four rounds. Several right hands. He actually started bringing that right hand out a lot more 
um, in the fourth round where he landed, he kept throwing them and throwing them, and that's where <laughs> Radio Raheem, when Logan Paul is talking shit to to Tommy Fury during the fight, that was so weird. You're gonna gas out and all this dumb shit, but he said, "What would you tell your brother and all that?" And he did say, "I love you, man," and blah blah blah, blah at the start of it, but at the end. I think he was saying, I love you, man, to, like, his brother. And Radio Raheem's like, I love you too, man. You know, it's like, I don't think he's talking to you, dude. Um, but after that, um, there was a there was two-point deduction. Was it back-to-back rounds? Or no, no, it was in the fifth and then the eighth. That's what it was. There was a – no, 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 I'm wrong. No, 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 it was back. It was the fifth and the seventh. <laughs> That's what it was. The first one um, – was on Jake Paul. The first one was on Paul uh, for kind of hitting like on a clinch. Um, but, you know, I thought Paul actually, you know, with like a minute something to go, he landed a really nice right hand. Um, you could probably say Fury was busier, um, but whatever. Uh, then I'm looking at my scorecard. You know, actually, it was, was it the very next round? I'm all over the place. Um, but it was a competitive round where he got the point deducted, you know, in it, no doubt about it. Um, in theory, the jab and right hand at times, um, Jake Paul was landing his overhand right in the seventh. But then, obviously, uh, that jab knocked him down early in the eighth round. Was it kind of like a pushing jab, or is there a slip of the foot? It did look like there was a slip, but, you know, that goes back to balance. And, like, did you put yourself in this position? Because if so, then you got hit at the same time, you know. It was kind of like a push, almost like a stick jab. It wasn't much of a jab. I think it just caught him at the right time, and he just got off balance. And it wasn't like, you know, uh, he jumped on him and stuff like that. He wasn't hurt or anything like that. It was a flash knockdown, but... You know, it definitely made it closer, obviously. Uh, Paul, one of them, won one of the cards, 75, 74. The other were 76, 73. So, Fury, you know, at the end of it, like I was saying earlier, like, Radio Raheem's like, you really proved that you're a champion. And it's just like, dude, come on. He's not a champion, dude. What are you talking about? Neither of these guys are champions, you know. And I thought it was kind of funny because I think it was Frank Warren when, it, when asked about, you know, Tom, uh, not Thomas Jury, but asked about Jake Paul potentially getting ranked, I think, in the top 40 if he were to win the fight. And he kind of scoffed at it, which I get, right? But also, like, he's like, well, I don't even think Tom, Tommy Fury should be ranked that, you know, get ranked right now. Yeah, I, I think I would look at that funny, uh, which, yeah, that is true. But, you know, neither of them made a fool of themselves. And Fury looked better than he had in some of these fights, but you know, it was, I don't know, I guess what I'm saying, Tommy Fury too was overreacting like, you know, I came through this and I overcame, and don't get me wrong, there was a lot of pressure on him because if you lose to Jake Paul, especially by knockout, you're going to be all over the fucking internet, so there was pressure, okay, and hey, I picked Jake Paul, I'll admit it, I did pick Jake Paul, but um, I thought he was a little like, you know, 
on some champion type shit. Like, this is legacy, man. I did this for legacy. It's like, you're not doing this for legacy for your family, dog. Like, this, this isn't. This isn't your legacy, man. This isn't a legacy fight. But it's a big fight, and it's a, like I said, it's a ton of embarrassment if you lose that fight, especially by knockout. It is embarrassing. Now, you know, could Jake Paul, because, you know, we hear this, we hear that. He said he was hurt. He had COVID. You know, whatever. I mean, I just got done saying Jamal James had COVID, you know, for his third time, and he said the third time was rough. And you could see by halfway through the fight, he, he didn't look himself. He looked tired. But he looked damn good early, whereas that wasn't the case, case with Jake Paul. But he just couldn't get off his right hand. That was the thing. Tommy Fury wouldn't let him get his right hand off as much as he wanted to. And straight, you know, not just looping or overhand. Um, just couldn't, couldn't get it together. And that's where the boxing stuff goes. Where's Tommy Fury go from here? Probably, you know, continue his career. Now, what's Jake Paul do? Now, it sounds like he's going to take the rematch. You know, if he didn't come into the, you know, if he had like a, a camp where he couldn't spar for a little bit, or you know, that shit does play into it. But there's plenty of fights and fighters that win fights that didn't have a great camp. You know what I mean? So you have to now, you know, if someone has like some kind of major surgery, you're like, Oh shit, dude, you, you know, your wrist, your, your wrist was broke or you, you know, you tore an ACL or, you know, some shit like that. That's different. Right. Uh, but <clears throat> I don't know. Where's Jake Paul go from here. We talked a little bit about it earlier. There's the Nate Diaz and all that stuff. There's the KSI. Those things are, you know, those are good. And that's more on his level. I don't know. Should he should he go back to the drawing board, fight those guys that build back to Tommy Fury, or should he just go right to Tommy Fury? It's an interesting one, you know. Um, but I really am I'm interested in what Jake Paul's going to do now. You took your first L. Um, you made some light excuses, but you know you you said, hey, he's the better guy. You know he beat me. Talked about the rematch. But now that you lost, are you going to be gung-ho still? You know, because he talked about, I want to fight Canelo and all that dumb shit, you know? And when Vivo beat Canelo, he was like, see, it can be done. It's like, dude, first of all, Canelo had lost before that, you know? And many people thought he lost the first Golovkin fight. I get it. But, like, I don't know. And I understand it's Jake Paul, so, he's, he, you know, he's going to fucking troll, right? But that whole... I never really felt good about that Canelo talk, the same sentence shit. I thought it was always like, man, shut the fuck up, you know? You're just, you know, you see Bivol. You can't do what Bivol does, dude. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, you know? So I think it, it brings him back to reality, but the reality is he could have a, a very sizable, you know, income for a rematch. And the reality is Nate Diaz, you know, some of these other fights, they're there, dude. They, and, and KSI, those are real deal fights for him, and, and more on his level. So I want to see if he's going to go back. Is he going to keep training like he's been training? Is he going to be as motivated? Like, hey, man, I'll, is he a fighter? Like, I shouldn't say that. He's a fighter. He proved he's, he's, he's proven now he's a fighter. You know, he's worked at it. He's made some fights. Finally fought a boxer, boxer, and he tried to fight other boxers. For being honest, he got beat. Didn't make, you know, didn't look dumb. 
um, doing it, right? He didn't look shitty or nothing like that. And uh, so I give him credit, you know, but I do, I'm really interested to see now where, you know, is that same motivation there, you know? That's where I'm kind of like, all right, let's see how real deal this guy is as far as being a serious boxer because clearly he's young enough to where he can improve and he can look better. And I'm not saying improve as a um, get ranked in the top 30 boxer. I'm not saying that. I think he can make some improvements in this individual matchup against Tommy Fury, and maybe he could win, you know, maybe. Um, maybe some of those, maybe he didn't have a good game, and he'd come out, look better. I don't know. But I really want to see what he does now. Is he going to be like, all right, dude, fuck this shit, you know? I mean, there's just so much money to be made. I don't think so. I think, you know, we've seen plenty of fighters lose and come back stronger, and I'm not trying to cheer up and call him a champion like, you know, Radio Raheem, but I am interested to see what his mentality is now. A lot of people say, oh, the, the, the hype train is over. To be fair, of late, the hype, and he's still a big name, and all it takes is one fucking knockout, and boom, you're right back on it, you know? So, I don't know, but that's enough. And, you know, shouts out to... Uh, to uh, Badu Jack, great performance. Um, Hall of Fame, no, I mean, I already had Badu Jack in the Hall of Fame, so I, I didn't need that, um, you know. So, other than that, that's about it on that one. By the way, um, actually, I was wrong. It wasn't a Thursday or a Friday. It is March 4th. This is going to be on the Zone, Golden Boy. Or no, I'm sorry. It's Eddie. It's Eddie. Uh, Angel Fiera takes on. You know, this is actually an interesting fight. So you have Angel, who um, who a few years back uh, beat Machado, Alberto Machado. I remember he lost to. Uh, I should look it up. Alex Martin. And but but you know. It was a, I believe it was like either a split or majority, one of the two. It was a close fight. But then two fights later, three fights later, he beat Machado. And, you know, he had a draw, majority draw. I'm actually looking at it now with Juan Carlos Burgos, who, you know, he's been over the hill for a while. Um, But this Eduardo Estela, you know, he just beat Torres. Um, Actually, someone just – well, someone just said this guy's already been knocked out who he's facing, uh, Eduardo Estela. But, dude, wasn't it Mauricio – yeah, it was Mauricio Lara, dude. So, I mean – and so Lara – yeah, Lara, I do remember this. Lara, you know, knocked him out, but oh well. Like, so he got beat by Mauricio Lara. He's done now? Like, F him? Uh, but that Ruben Torres fight, that was a competitive fight. Um, and Torres, man, he had fought uh, Baez, and you know, he fought some decent fighters a little bit anyway. So um, that's it's an interesting fight, in my opinion. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, that card goes. That's a 10-rounder. Um, and so that is going to be in Mexico, too. 
uh, Eduardo Nunez against uh, Solares. Uh, uh, what else is on that card? Let me go to the card here. That um, Aaron Guerrero, Aaron Rochak Guerrero against Rodriguez Alivius. That should, you know, that that could be a, just a brawl or whatever. But we'll see. Um, but just to look out that that is on the zone. That will be during. The night it won't be during the afternoon because it is like like I said it's in it's in Mexico so um, but other than that that pretty much wraps up the weekend um, yeah I think that wraps up the preview and prediction uh, Portland man if you want to uh, oh wait okay I see I see your messages I see your message okay shouts out to you man hope everything's lovely. I know who you're going for in the main event, right? Am I right? <laughs> you know I'm right. Uh, I know exactly who you're going for, and why wouldn't you, right? It'd be, I would start to think there's something wrong with you if you had, if you wouldn't go for who I thought you'd go for. So, um, so yeah, I um, I think that about wraps it up. We will talk. Um, you know, some some fight news we did get um we did get a you know, a fight announcement for Garcia and whatnot. Hold on, damn these messages, dude. Jesus Christ, man. I can't, I can't even with some of this stuff. I really I really can't. Um anyway. Um so yeah, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia, April 22nd, it's either, it sounds like it's T-Mobile, but it's either the MGM or T-Mobile. Some people are still saying it's not going to happen. You know, I get it up until now. Now, I think it's, I think it's, it's happening. You know, it's going to happen. But I understood, like I said many a times in the last couple months, um, I understood not just people's frustration because it took so long, but just, you know, it, it, because it was taking so long, the longer it takes, the more the doubt creeps in. So I totally understand, uh, you know, people's, uh, is, you know, thinking, damn, this fight's not going to happen. So I totally get it. Um, and after a while, I questioned it as well. Um, but it's funny because these, when you work with someone from a different, you know, across the street, it's great that they got it done, but look at how hard it was to do, you know, and this was basically like a pretty basic deal to do. And, you know, both fighters were ready to go with basic stuff and they, they, they figured their stuff out fairly soon. They figured it out like in November, uh, both of them were going to take, you know, a fight in January, obviously tank was the one who, you know, who took the fight, but, um, in January, of course, I'm talking about Hector Garcia, but um, they had to push it back a week because they wanted to have enough time. So they literally had to mess around with their programming for showtime, you know? So it's, it's and I know it's on pay-per-view, but there's, there's just stuff that you have lined up and scheduled and you have a working date. And this wasn't just a working date. This was supposed to be the date. So, um, but, you know, when you don't have an in-house scenario, it, it does make it tough because you need everything signed. But 
you know, it, it just drug on and drug on and drug on. And, and Oscar went to the media. That, that was not just the media. He went to social media, too. And, you know, it just took a while. So I, I, I'm really happy it got finished. But at the same time, this is an example of, like, this is why they don't do it as much because it's hard to come to terms. The shit takes so goddamn long. On one hand, that's on one hand. The other hand is the casuals have known since, like, November that they're going to fight. Uh, a lot of casuals haven't even seen this up, you know, up and down drama. Then all of a sudden we hear, oh, no, it, it, it's agreed upon after Tank was, you know, done fighting. And then it got a little funky, then it's fine, and now we're good to go. So it's, <clears throat> I'm just happy it's done. And I think it's a great fight. Like I said, April 22nd. Just happy that they got it across the line. But um, I did have my doubts, that's for sure. And um, it kind of seemed like – I just think there's too much revenue on this one that – like the Charlo Munguia, you know, when when the both fighters had agreed to terms, Showtime, not the Zone or Golden Boy, Showtime was the only one that put up money for that fight. They were going to have it on Showtime. The manager and the fighter were ready to go, and then Oscar came out and said he's stopping the fight unless it's a split pay-per-view, and the zone has to be involved. And so the way he was saying that early, saying, up, oh, it has to be a split pay-per-view, it's like, dude, you know, Ryan Garcia is the best B-side that take his fight. That's just, that's just factual, right? Anybody debating that, you're just wrong. And I'm talking about a fight that actually – would happen. I'm not talking about, you know, I mean, sure, if, if Tank fought Mayweather, <laughs> you know, there'd be this beef, and, you know, that would do bigger, but I'm talking about real fights, and I'm not talking about, yeah, if Tank fought Spence, or, you know, that fight's not going to happen. So, Ryan Garcia is the best B-side possible, and it seemed like he got treated really well. I mean, they, they, they caved in on a couple of things. There was some back and forth. Uh, we're going to get the details. It does sound like we reported it last week that um, one of the details that they came back with was, you know, uh, we should be able to host it or at least a split pay-per-view if Ryan wins. And it, it sounds like that was agreed to. So I'm just happy it's done. I'm just happy it's done. We talked about it you know, at nauseum. But, you know, it also messed up Showtime's release. Because you notice they had, like, a handful of, like, their schedule before they just dropped some more fights in the Ryan Garcia fight. They had a, you know, they had a, a chunk of the schedule all the way to the to April 8th, right? And then they dropped this, what was that, Thursday or Friday? I think it was Friday, Thursday or Friday. <clears throat> I can't remember which one. And then now they're starting to release some other fights. And they still have more fights to release, so it's, it's just a little funked up, you know what I mean? It, it just it got a little weird, dude, you know? And it, so it, it messed up their scheduling, too. Now, one thing I'll say is you can't announce, like, Plant Benavidez, Spence Thurman, and Tank Garcia and put tickets on sale all at the same time. That's just not how you do business. So I knew that was going to be a potential. That's why I think we're still going to wait a little bit. I think they know exactly what Errol Spence is doing. And it's just about waiting, you know, to let them put tickets out. Now the Benavides plant is selling well. They're actually opening up seats more now. So 
they've opened a lot more sections that were closed, so that, that means it's selling really well. And, you know, relatively speaking, for those two, I'm not saying it's going to do a $15 million gate or nothing like that, but it's selling well. And now they're going to put these tickets on sale, and then they're going to let the shit happen. And then, you know, so they can't just put out all the fights at once, um, especially like pay-per-views and all that shit. Like, it, it, they do have to kind of be smart about it. So, you know. A lot of people just assume, well, where's the tickets, dude? Where's the tickets? Well, calm down a little bit. You know, there's plenty of fights that get announced that don't have the tickets out yet. <laughs> I mean, we just got uh, Stanonius and Ortiz tickets out. I think they're officially out now, right? Yeah. I think they just switched. That's a banger. I can't wait for that fight. So, um, but yeah, this whole dragged out thing fucked up their, their shit. So, you know, now we have most of the schedule out. I know that the whether it's Spence Thurman or Spence against someone, right? That's coming. Um, David Morrell and Charlo. I think they're going to fight on the same card, but maybe um, it'll be in July or I don't know. I'm not sure when Morrell's going to fight because I had heard that he was going to fight uh, um, at the Armory. But maybe they're going to put him in front of Houston, put him on the undercard, and then, you know, get him on a, a different card, which that's cool, too. I think you can't always bring him to Minneapolis. So that'll be kind of interesting. But, yeah, there are more fights to come. We'll go over some of that schedule. Um, like I said, it's not fully out, but it, it basically is right now. <laughs> um, there was some news about Josh Taylor and Tiafima Lopez. Um, well, here's an example. That is agreed to. That fight's done. But they don't have the venue and all that figured out just yet. There's still some work. You know, maybe they go to Scotland. I doubt it. Um, maybe they fight in the U.K. Maybe. I could see that. Maybe Scotland. But, you know, it would be cool to have it in Madison Square, even if it's, you know, the small room, the Hulu. You know, whatever. That would be dope. Because, you know, the Brits would come over in general, too. So, um, And, you know, a lot of people thought, well, are we sure Josh Taylor – because, you know, he was tied pretty tight to, uh, you know, a certain somebody. Can he travel? Well, uh, you know, my guess is they, they wouldn't be talking about him potentially fighting here if he couldn't travel, you know. Who knows, though? Uh, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, that is a great fight. But just it, it, it's – I saw some people on Twitter like, well, I thought it was, I thought it was already – it's done. Now the rest of it, now you got to fill in the blank blanks in the venue, but it, it does sound like it's done. Um, there was some Berlanga Jacobs talks, actually on the same date, the, the Puerto Rican Day uh, Parade in New York City date, but it, from the sounds of it, <laughs> that's a false report. That, that's a false report. The manager for both of them came out and said, nah, dude, that fight ain't happening. That's completely not. It's, it's not happening. Um, the WBO uh, you know, just got done um, calling the mandatory for Terrence Crawford. So, um, you know, we we saw what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that, where Oscar and B Hop were talking with uh, Bud, and you know, he was saying, "I want Rocha, I want uh, Ortiz," and then he says, "Well, let's do Spence," but. I don't know about that one. You know, I, I'm not sure about that. You know, I, I, until that happens, 
I'm turning my mind off when it comes to that one. You know what I mean? Because there's even like rumors of, well, it's it's pretty quiet lately. You know, maybe they're talking about it right now. And and you know, there were some things that you could like, you could like, I don't know. Like there are some tweets that because <laughs> Terrence has been a you know, he's been pretty vocal on Twitter. <laughs> lately and um some funny shit too i'm not trying to make it sound bad but he's been saying some wild shit to like you know media members or you know whatever members um and some youtubers and stuff too so but he said you guys are going to be like i don't know there was a there was a tweet where some people were saying oh this means he's actually secretly you know gonna fight spence because he said you guys would be mad, you'd be sore or whatever. So there was a tweet going out there, but they have, as of literally like yesterday, or the day before, I think it was yesterday, uh, they now officially ordered it. Uh, they have the 20 days till, till March 19th to agree to the deal, and otherwise it's first bid. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then there's, uh, oops. There's Adrian Broner. He's now uh, he's done with BLK Prime. Um, they have had a, they split. They just couldn't deliver for him. And it, it sounds like from what, what's his name, Kay Jones, I think, uh, inside the Wilder camp. He, he, once in a while, I'll listen to some stuff he says. And he, he's got some inside information once in a while that you're like, oh, okay, that actually turned out to be right. Um, he was saying, uh, according to multiple sources from who he talked to, that they were trying to get him to fight Regis Prograde. And he was like, dude, I'm trying to get a fight in, you know, like, I'm not trying to go right to Regis. And I got to admit, like, although it would be a really good fight for Prograde, because it still is a name for him, you know, no matter what, if that name's dwindled, of course it has, but it's still something. And it's not like he's fought a lot of big names, especially here in the state. So, and he would fuck him up. Now, we know Broner's got a crazy chin. So, does he knock him out? I guess I don't know. But um, they just couldn't come to terms with stuff. They obviously, you know, it, it sounded like he was going to have a postponed event. Now, they're just, he's just done. He's done with them. And then we have a lot of the Fury Usyk stuff. And John Fury came out and said, if the fight's in the U.K., it's not 50-50 anymore because, you know, the biggest, the bigger draw clearly is Fury. Now, the money's much smaller than it would have been if it was going to be in the Middle East. And it sounds like, you know, um, I, I hear reports and people talking about, hey, Saudi doesn't move. But on the flip side, it's like the date. They got a problem with the date of April 29th. And if that's the case, that's just kind of weird that you wouldn't push it back a month or two if you're going to make all that bank. You know, I don't know. It's a little wishy-washy, but the 50-50 split where Usyk's manager came out a while back and said that's what it's going to be, sticking to their guns. And John Fury over the weekend was like, nah, dude, if it's in the U.K., it's at Wembley, it's not a 50-50 fight. So I don't know where the fuck that fight is. It's one of those fights that – put it in the basket of, I don't know, you know? So I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, 
every time we get on the doorstep of you know an undisputed champ at heavyweight, it just it just doesn't fucking happen, you know. Um, and it's not like uh, I mean the Spencer Crawford for the first time got negotiated, you know, in re- recent time. It had never been negotiated before this. So whereas there's been multiple times that we've almost got to a point where they're about to undispute it, and it just, you know, it is what it is. Luckily, we've had a lot of good fights, so that helps. Um, but, yeah, you'd like to just finally get the fucking thing undisputed, you know, so I get it. But I also get Usyk being like, hey, dude, I just beat Joshua twice. One of them was in the U.K., you know. It is what it is. So I don't know. I don't know where that stands. And then, on top of it, Wilder and Ruiz, that's another one that might get announced. Maybe maybe they're going to fight later. I don't know. But Deontay Wilder was at the fight there this weekend. The Fury and uh, Jake Paul and Saudi. And, you know, he had a lot to say. We'll talk about it in the future. We're not going to go too deep into it. But he said, you know, I got some stuff lined up. I'm, I'm going to meetings. And we all know that Saudi delivers the bag. So what are you going to do? Not fight for big money there? Of course you're going to fight for big money there. So I don't know. I mean, it does. I don't know what fights he's going to fight, but the thing is, same with Andy Ruiz. So Andy Ruiz <coughs> is didn't leave the PBC. His father, I don't know if it's a miscommunication. The way he said it was vague. I have no clue, but it got reported that Andy Ruiz is a free agent. He's no longer with the PBC Al Heyman. Well, that's not true. Andy Ruiz came out and said, my contract with TGB Promotions is up, and I'd like to thank him and all that type of stuff. But um, you know, I'm not. I'm no longer with them now. I'm just being advised by Al Heyman. So he's still in the Al Heyman stuff. But you know, these heavyweights are are like, you know, we've seen a lot of money thrown around the heavyweight division. And if Saudi's willing to pay for some of them, why wouldn't they go there? So I think one of the biggest reasons why, um, you know, we haven't seen it talked about or, you know, announced, I mean, general, but overall, it's like, think about it. Think about it from Andy Ruiz's side, okay, in, in Wilder. Okay, this fight is always here. We're both tied with Al Hayden. This fight is here. In the next year or two, we can make this fight. However, you know, if Fury and Usyk don't fight, then that Usyk has a lot of belts. You know, the lineal champ, eh, it's Usyk, but really Fury in my mind. So, you know, I'm not saying let's have a Wilder Fury 4. I'm not saying that. I think that's possible in the future. But I don't, I don't necessarily want that next. That's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> which, by the way, they hugged it out, which actually was kind of nice to see. Wilder said he wants Usyk, and Usyk said, I'm down for it too. Said it. But if that fight comes loose and they don't end up signing, I could see Ruiz wanting to fight Fury for a belt that he never had, right, for, for good-ass money. And I could also see you know, Wilder fighting Usyk, you know, so, because that's a lot of belts in the belts he's never had. So, there's no point, it's just, it's one of those things where you're just lingering, you know, and 
the bigger money or at least the, the belts too. I mean, to win three belts is a big deal. So that's probably why, beyond other stuff, you know, why we haven't heard this Wilder Ruiz. You know, they're in talks. They, they have some stuff figured out. But until that – it's like the domino effect, you know. Once we start – once we see some of these big – once, you know, they, they announced Plant Benavides, all of a sudden a couple fights came out. They announced uh, Garcia, uh, Garcia and Tank, more fights came out. So, I mean, some of this stuff is the domino effect of what happens, and that's basically what's happened. The Fury-Usyk fight – because remember, <laughs> I never thought AJ and Fury were going to fight that quick, you know, in the, in the winter, you know, in December or whatever. But remember, he had a deadline. AJ had a deadline, right? And because he had to be, he had to fight at this date, December. But then here we are, you know, and it's almost March. So I just think there's issues with negotiations if it's in the UK. If it's 50-50, you know, I don't think... I don't think Fury has an issue with 50-50 if it's, if it's Saudi money. And one more thing about the Saudi thing. It is what it is. Like, like, do I want to see big-ass stadium fights in the U.K.? Would I rather see, you know, Fury and Usyk in the U.K.? Yes. Would I like to see, you know, <clears throat> uh, Wilder and Ruiz here? Yeah, I would. I would. You know, uh, the biggest two markets for boxing is the U.K. and the U.S. Just factual, right? Big ass fights, got the rivalry going, all that stuff. However, you know, if the if the Saudis are willing to, you know, because for years the Middle East money was always talk, it was always talk, and they'd have fights there, but they never land the big fights. But once they did in 2019, when they got that Ruiz, you know, the rematch. Ever since then, it's like, well. And we'll talk a little bit about what Wilder, like the meeting he had with the prince over there. And now that they've, they've had a couple fights, now all of a sudden they really have their shit organized. And they, they want to put out some money. So I, I can't blame them, you know. Now, ultimately, in three to five years, if they're not making enough revenue but they're putting out a bunch of money, I don't know. Like you could look at the Live Tour, which, you know, all you got to do is look at – just Google Saudi Arabia golfers, <laughs> pro golfers. Like, they tried to give – didn't they try to give Tiger Woods like $700 million? I mean, and the thing is, like Wilder was saying, the money's right there. It's up front. You know, you're getting your money. There's no waiting for it on pay-per-view later. And, oh, you get this, and then you get that, and then you get that, and then we'll look at the game. No, no, it's right there. You know, so – I understand people, you know, not wanting to see fights get shipped overseas. But to be fair, there were plenty of governments all across the world that Ali fights. I mean, the Thrilla in Manila. Manila's not in uh, America, correct? The Rumble in the Jungle. How many jungles we got uh, in, in America? Do we have a jungle? I don't believe so. So, you know what I mean? So the shit happens, dude. It is what it is. But you can't hate on the fighters. And, hey, dude, if, if it makes great fights there, then, you know, in the end, hey, fuck it. We won't have the same atmosphere that you have in these other, you know, here in the U.K. Okay, but you know what? When I saw a good fight during COVID, I could still appreciate the fight when there's nobody in the damn stand. You know what I mean? 
in fact, that hearing the punches was kind of an interesting thing. Now, I, of course, I prefer, you know, the crowds, but I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Like, if the if if Fury and Usyk and, and, and Wilder and Ruiz can, can all fight and then they fight the winners and all that shit, and it just happens in Saudi or, or half of the fights are in Saudi, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. You know, spend fucking money out, dude. And if you're a fighter, you got to take advantage of it now. Because like I said, like like that, I think it's called the Live Tour. You know, they don't, they don't have they're having they had problems getting a TV deal over here because the PGA is so tied to so many networks here. I think they're on like the CW network. So if you're not getting big network money, at some point that they're going to look at that and be like, "Holy fuck, what did we just do?" Well, they're not going to be like, "Oh God, we lost money." It's not that. It's just after a while, if you're not producing revenue, like at a high level compared to what you're giving out. Yeah, who knows if that takes a couple years, 10 years, whatever the fuck. I don't know. I have no clue. None of us know. But in the meantime, get your money. And if it makes great fights, then fuck it. You know? If that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. You know? It is what it is. Um, Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, someone just just sent me this. Um, Got a Rick Glazier. Uh, somebody else. So, I'll, the Rick Glazier. So, this was the first report about Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz, and this is the ESPN knockout. And like I said, the first time it was it was Andy Ruiz Senior, who I don't know if he miscommunicated or what, or they took it the wrong way, or I don't I don't know. I have no clue. But it was reported that he's a free agent, that he's terminated his contract, and it's a mutual agreement that Al Heyman and him have. You know, he's, he's out of his contract, right? So then you had, and this someone just sent me the Glazier thing. With Andy Ruiz Jr. and the PBC parting ways, it's another sign that it's not good with the PBC or Showtime as the cracks are showing. The fighters are starting to flee Al Heyman and PBC. And, with the last, or, and when was the last time Heyman actually signed anyone of value? <laughs> but anyway... In the real world, this is Andy Ruiz. On behalf of myself and Team Ruiz, we would like to thank TGB Promotions and President Tom Brown for their great support. My contract with TBG or TGB, he said it wrong, um, come to an end, and I will be now moving forward as part of the PBC family with Al Heyman as my advisor. So it's just funny the cheerleading that you get, you know. The cheerleading that you get for some of this stuff, it's just like, I don't know, dude. It's just, it's just weird. It's just so weird. Um, guys leave for certain situations. Look at look at Danny Jacobs. A Golovkin fight presented itself. He went there. He fought really hard. He earned an HBO contract after that fight. They didn't give him a contract to fight Golovkin and then multi-fight. He, he earned it. Then he went to the zone, and his first fight was Canelo, and he, and he got three fights off of that. Amir Khan left to go fight Canelo. Uh, Fulton is going to Japan to fight anyway. These are all Al Heyman advisor, advisor, you know, fighters. So it's just funny how, like, didn't you want this to happen, and now that it's happening, you're, like, cheering? Like, they're not leaving. Fulton's not leaving. 
but is it okay? Like, it's just weird because that was the big thing. Oh, Heyman won't let this happen. Heyman won't let that happen. Then when it happens, you're like, oh, he's leaving. It's just weird. Here's some uh, Devin Haney news um, from Pops there. Productive and pleasant meeting with Bob Arum on Friday. Lomachenko can happen in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Also, anyone distracting or could distracting or concerned top rank is not offering a fourth fight option. Also, anyone distracting or concerned top rank is not offering a fourth oh fourth fight option with Shakur Stevenson. Okay. I mean, they would just be like, hey, man, and here's an extra option, you know, if we're being honest, you know. Um, I think you'd have to, you know, sign another three-fight deal to get a fight with Shakur Stevenson. That's just my opinion, you know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, you know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, for them to be like, hey, man, you want this one little option to fight Shakur? You know, like, I, I just – that's usually not how that goes. Uh, oh, Heather Hardy, by the way. Someone sent me this, too. She won. Good for her. I have always loved her. I have always loved her. Anyway, um, Grant Flores. Yep. Probox TV was that, that, that draw fight, too, by the way, um, that, I, that I was talking about. I, don't, I think from the sounds of it. Um, so here's the scoop. This is Keith Eidick about um, about the Taylor and Tiafimo MSG main, main arena. So top rank wants Josh Taylor and Tiafimo, according to Eidick, to fight in the main room, right? At MSG, which would be great. But its, avail- but it's availability June 10th will depend on how far the Knicks and the Rangers go in the playoffs. It'll be held at the MSG Theater, you know, so that's held. But if not, if, if the arena's open, then they'll do it that night. So that's a little bit of clarity there, so that's dope. I don't think you got to worry about the Knicks in June. You know, I think, I think they'll be getting their draft prior, priorities right and their free agency stuff. But the Rangers, that's different. I don't really fucking know, actually, I'll be honest. So, yeah, um, that's just something to think about. But either way... The fight's happening. Sounds like it's straight up ESPN, or I suppose ESPN Plus, too, you know, because they, they do both of them. Um, I'm not going to read all the shit that Connor Ben said. I'm just not going to do it. Um, you know, just not going to do it. it, it just, there's no point for me to read all of his stuff. Uh, you know, there still has to, you know, the the British Board of Boxing and Control thing, that they, they're, they're now investigating it. Um, the WBC, since the last time we talked, they put out a statement. They said, yeah, this shit, you know, shit was in the eggs, blah, 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 blah. You know, it is what it is. I've talked about this a little bit. He seems to be like, well, I got a scientist. I, I was going to fly a scientist over. Then we got these scientists. And to me, it's like, the shit was in you, dude, because he's starting to blame it on, like, the people that not just did the testing but at the uh, facility, you know, in the U.K., and he's starting to say they fucked it up, and I, I don't know. I don't know, but he keeps claiming his innocence and all that and whatever. Um, so, 
So the, actually, this is Deuce. To be 100% clear, there are only 30 total WADA accredited labs in the world located in 26 different countries. There's one in the UK. Connor is saying that his expert, you know, his scientists, his experts, thinks the lab or thinks the lab that all of the, the UK uses should lose its, you know, accredit, accreditation. It's, 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 it's really weird, dude. You know. By the way, this is on TMZ. Pro boxer Joseph Jojo Diaz arrested in Los Angeles on Monday night for uh, child neglect. Um, it is a misdemeanor. I think it was multiple jail records show Diaz was taken into custody by the Claremont Police Department uh, just before 7 p.m. Law enforcement sources tell us he was booked on a charge of misdemeanor child neglect. So we'll see, go out on a limb and say stuff just randomly. Uh, not just me. I got to hear a little bit. Here's the COVID stuff for Jake Paul. This is what he said, you know wasn't trained properly. Um, Jake got COVID in Cleveland in December, his trainer said. He was out for 10 days. Then it was a couple of weeks to get back on track, December 21st to January 5th. Then he felt okay to train. And he's a guy who never misses training. He was coughing up a lung or coughing his lungs out. Uh, To an extent, Flores said that he thought a couple of times that it might be a good idea to postpone it. But we got to fight now, and, and you know, um, it, it was, I guess, against my better judgment, but he wanted to get the fight. And, and you know, the whole Fury thing, it, they had a couple times where they were supposed to fight, so I'm sure he was like, man, fuck it, let's just get this fucking thing out of the way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, they basically, <laughs> Matias is saying, like, he's got a quote on boxing scene. The program, I promise you I'm going to send you to the hospital. And progress says, I'll fuck this dude up. It's levels to this. So um, I still think that he's probably. Oh, here's some bad news. Uh, Taylor Serrano was going to be postponed, the rematch, due to an injury sustained by Amanda Serrano. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're in discussions to revisit the date for about. Further details will follow in due course. That sucks. The, the, the biggest fight we have set in May, unfortunately, is not going to happen. But, you know, that shit happens, dude. Just like, uh, just like uh, you know, Charlo just got hurt. You know, he was supposed to fight Tim Zoo, and he just got hurt. So, I mean, you know, shit happens, dude. Um, uh, people keep sending me. Well, here, I'll read this one. So someone on Twitter, at MSL, Mr. St. Laurent, exclusive, Eddie Hearn, Shelly Finkel, close to a deal with Anthony Joshua in the Bronze Bomber in the Middle East second half of the year, right? But from the sounds of it, that was, and I've looked into it a little bit, there's people that don't even think you know, Eddie can get the Saudi money that he's big on Dubai now. I don't know. Um, former heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder was like, nah, dude, that's not true. He's not signing with Eddie because uh, uh, that was out there too. 
Um, but yeah, they they have the speaking of Saudi, the app uh, Abdullah dude, the Amber Abdullah. He he's talking about the the skills challenge, right? And over in Saudi, the way he explains is like they don't really want to deal with promoters, promoters first, but even managers. So it's basically like, and I've heard this multiple times now, and the bronze bomber, Wilder, just got done saying it, um, that he's like, dude, it's really about we'll make you an offer and you go, you go take it back to your crew. You know, like these dudes don't want to have anything to do with promoters or managers. They just want to make the goddamn fights and move the fuck on. And that's kind of a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Um, now, how long is it going to last? I don't know. Connor Bed is, and this is male sport. This is allegedly, okay? According to male sport, Connor Bed is expected to sue the, the British Board of Boxing Control for an expected 3.5 in damages over the way they handled the situation with the drug test. You know, with the, basically the purse and the reputation damages from the Eubank Jr. and the, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't fucking know. Whatever. Um, we do have the fight that got called for. I got a couple minutes left. Actually, I don't. I only have a minute left. Alright. Um, I wasn't able to get to the full Showtime schedule. I'll do it next week. I'm sure people will be like, oh, you're ducking the schedule, bro. Um, because, yeah, some of the fights I really liked that they put out, some of them I didn't. I mean, that's a normal fucking thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm literally running out of time. Um, where the hell was it? I think it was Munguia and Janabek. Is that who got called? And I'm hoping that he actually gets a bite. Yeah, because uh, Oscar said, would you watch Munguia against Bivol? And Janabek said, how about Janabek versus Munguia? You know, that's who we want next. Um, so I don't know if that fight will happen, but I'm just saying. Anyway, I don't have a lot more time. I'm just going to kind of let it ride out. Yeah, I'm getting some messages. That does suck, the Taylor Serrano. Yeah, it does. It is what it is, man. There's not much you can do. Hopefully Serrano, you know, heals up. Oh, here it is. So Liam Smith, that's what it was. Liam Smith and Janabek, the WBO order, WBO ordered the, you know, the, the mandatory for the middleweight fight. The problem is, you know, and then they, you know, gave the 20-day notice and all that shit to order and, you know, negotiate. But Liam Smith, you know, he still has, like, a rematch. Like, Eubank Jr. said he wants to do the rematch. So he might be out of it off that because he's contractually. Well, interesting, this is what Jake Donovan, senior writer at Boxing King, said, uh, Mungia remains the next highest-ranked challenger should Smith pass on the opportunity due to the contract. So that, either one of those fights will work. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Um, enjoy the fights. We will check you next week. Peace out.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.